106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. To all of the witnesses, if you have personal knowledge of a single material fact in the shift report, please raise your hand. And let the record reflect, no personal knowledge of a single fact. And you know what? That continues on the tradition that we saw from Adam Schiff. What the mainstream media was afraid to tell you about the news this week. This week, while the mainstream media was obsessing about manufactured Bernie Sanders versus Elizabeth Warren drama, here are the things that happened that really matter. Six of the seven Democrats who Nancy Pelosi appointed to be impeachment managers already supported impeachment before Ukraine was ever a thing. These Democrats wanted to impeach Trump over the Mueller report, the Mueller report that found no collusion, no conspiracy, no obstruction of justice. These Democrats wanted to impeach Trump over tweets and insults. My question is, how are these people fair-minded? Of course, the mainstream media won't ask that question, nor will the mainstream media even report the truth that six of the seven supported impeaching Trump all along simply because they didn't like him. Virginia Governor Ralph Northam issues an emergency declaration to take away guns from law-abiding citizens in Virginia due to threats from outside nut jobs. In fact, the white supremacists who were threatening a race war at an otherwise peaceful rally and who are totally unaffiliated with the gun rights protesters weren't just racists and nut jobs. In fact, one of them is an illegal alien from Canada. But did the mainstream media report on this? No, 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 no. The mainstream media did not say a word about Northam using the heckler's veto as an excuse to take away people's right to bear arms at a time they need it the most when violent racists are planning attacks. Project Veritas investigative reporters exposed a radical Bernie Sanders staffer calling for Trump voters to be put in re-education camps. That's right. The Bernie staffer said Stalin had gulags for a reason for re-education, and then he says, what do you think Bernie's free education thing is all about? Re-education, a.k.a. indoctrination. This staffer also threatened violence against anybody who said things that he didn't like and threatened to burn down Milwaukee if Bernie did not win the nomination. And Bernie Sanders didn't disavow this guy publicly. But did the mainstream media report on this? Not a single word. In the wake of the Soleimani strike, World War III has not happened as every single Democrat 2020 presidential candidate predicted it would. All the Democrats said President Trump was starting a war, escalating violence with Iran, and they essentially condemned President Trump for the self-defense strike that killed a terrorist who killed more than 600 of our fellow Americans. And yet, these predictions from Democrats did not come true. But did the mainstream media report that? Because the mainstream media certainly reported the predictions. But nope, no follow-up, nothing, now that World War III has not happened. A New York bail law allowed a bank robber who robbed four banks to go free from jail. His comment, the robber's comment, I can't believe they let me go. But did the mainstream media cover this? Nope, not a word from them even reporting this story, let alone asking the important question of why Democrats instituted a policy that hurts innocent people. And if the Democrats perhaps did this in an effort to gain more Democrat voters. The mainstream media doesn't care to report any of that to you. So we will.
good afternoon. This is Lou Benninger, and you're listening to No Hostages Radio. This is our episode number 43, and we are, um, this, the date of this episode is January 25. Life is just passing us by, as all of us always say, how fast this month is going by. But I hope you're having a good day. I'm out here in Northern California. And it's overcast and cold up here in the north in the Sacramento Valley. Uh, we're about 45 minutes north of Sacramento. Where we're sitting in a little town called Marysville, which at one time was the seat of the gold rush in 1849. Uh, and t- today it's a dying town. And uh, they're just trying to hold it together by raising our taxes because they can't get enough businesses interested in coming to a little town where you're taxed and uh, your water's the highest in the area, the taxes are highest in the area, the government is flaky, and it's just a mess. And so people have a choice. Right now, people have a choice in America, different from communist countries, where they tell you where to live. And whether you can go here, there, or uh, what you what you can do when. So we're here in Marysville. Uh, we're hoping one day to have the state of Jefferson or a state by another name up here in the northern 24 or 20, 24 counties. And I hear that there's some counties up in southern Oregon that would like to split off and become the 51st state of the United States of America. So I don't know whether that will ever happen. There's a lot of dysfunction in every movement, and there is some in the state of Jefferson, ego trips, power trips, and uh, so that stands in the way. Ruins a lot of good ideas. You know, some people say there's been millions of good ideas, but not too many of them survive. It's kind of like sperm. You know, you blast a lot of sperm into a female, and uh, a lot of them just don't have the pop to get there, and they, a lot of them have a good idea, but they just don't. They're not able to do the fertilization. And so a lot of good ideas go by the wayside through ego, ego maniacs, bad planning, stubborn people, and uh, turf. People say, I don't want that. We already have that. We have something like that. Reject a good idea. Deep six it. We had that experience with trying to start trauma intervention program up here and uh, 25 years ago. I got, had people that always they claimed we protect and serve. We're there for you. And they said, oh, we don't need tip. We have one guy we call a chaplain, and he's a really, yeah, he gets it done over here. Guy didn't do anything. It's just a deadbeat. Anyway, uh, we got lots to talk about today. Anybody that's talking, anybody that's got any kind of radio show, podcast, news show, there's more than you can talk about. The whole country seems like. Well, it doesn't seem like the whole country has been in an t- entire uproar since uh, a fellow that's not a politician decided he's going to run for office and do some things that many of us wanted somebody to do for decades. And it didn't matter whether they were Democrat or Republican. They just didn't do anything. Because why? Because they were owned by big government the deep state, they call it, lobbyists. They just had too many people with hooks in their flesh. And so that's just the way it is. <clears throat> I like Ayn Rand's uh, definition of socialism versus communism. 
She says there's no difference between communism and socialism except in the means of achieving the same ultimate end. Here's the difference. Communism proposes to enslave men by force. That's what happened in Vietnam, where I spent some of my time, and happened in Cambodia, and happened in Laos, and happened in China, as President Trump says, China. Uh, and uh, so they, communism proposes to enslave men by force, socialism by vote. Socialism you can get to by a vote. That's why the vote in 2020 and hereafter is so important because we got a lot of deceived young people because the government socialist school system is propagandizing and indoctrinating our young people against capitalism, the very thing that gave them the riches that they so lust after. But they think they're going to just keep them with socialism. And they're going to go from riches to rags because they're going to be eating out of dumpsters instead of at In-N-Out Burger. She says the, the same ultimate end is accomplished, but communism proposes to enslave men by force, and socialism gets to it by vote. It is merely the difference between murder and suicide. So a lot of people in the United States are going to commit suicide by voting and ended up destroying the goose that laid the golden egg. And once you get down that road, it's very hard to get back to it. Uh, people that are sharp, sharper than I am, make the point that I agree with. They say that if a person doesn't know where they came from, uh, they're going to be lost. You don't know where you're going? Or maybe you're going in a deceptive way, a way that doesn't make any sense, and you don't know where you came from, and you don't know where you are. You are lost. And when you don't know the history of your people, you're one screwed up person. And that's what's going on in our country, because all you have to do is force people to go to your government schools, and then uh, you will not financially help them to go elsewhere. So it's a no competition deal. That's what socialism is all about, eliminating any competition. They've already done it in the school system. And they cry, damn it, we don't want any religion. So we can't let, any, we can't let parents take the money that is going to be spent in the public schools and spend it however they want it with a voucher. They won't allow vouchers because they can't afford to because they can't handle any competition. Because the only way you can justify stupid kids coming out after 12 or 14 years of school is saying, well, this just that's just the way it is. And the reason we have those problems is the parents are stupid or we don't have enough money to educate them. Always, we, don't, we need more money, more money, more money, more money, more money. So the only difference between socialism and communism or us communism is force or by vote, murder or suicide. Now, there's all kinds of <coughs> statistics on the Internet. And it tells countries what happened after they took away the guns, the right to own a gun. And um, it tells how millions and millions of people were murdered right after they took away of guns. Now, what you can just go through the whole hit, recent history. You can start with the communist countries 
And it's just one after another, millions and millions of people were murdered. In fact, there's just a, I'm going to have to get, I'm going to have to grab my book. There's a, there's a shocking statistics from the 1960s from communist China that I need to go up upstairs and grab this book I've got reading. I've been reading. It's just, it's awesome. The book anyway, um, suicide or murder, whichever way you want it. Now in, in Venezuela, they chose suicide. They were doing really good down there and they thought, Oh, they lusted for more. And the, and the socialist said, we'll give you more. Just vote our way. And now the average weight loss is over 20 pounds per person down there because there's not enough to eat down there. There's no jobs. They can't keep the power on. They can't keep clean water going. Millions of people have fled across the border to other countries. Terrible. They did it by suicide. Volunteer. They voted it in. That's it. Most of they say a good portion or most. Most means more than 50% of the college students they think suicide is a better system than capitalism, even though they could never tell you who paid the bill on their colleges. It's, it's amazing. I like this saying I saw this week. I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm just saying you have bad luck when it comes to thinking. I think that's good. You know, I'm into euphemisms. You know, terminate, you know, planned parenthood, like having a planned family, is like better than saying you killed your baby. Right. So this is better than saying someone's stupid. I'm just saying I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm just saying you have bad luck when it really comes to trying to think. You know, you're from California. If this your co-worker has eight body piercings and none are visible. You make over five hundred thousand dollars and you still can't afford a home. You take a bus and are shocked at two people carrying on a conversation in English. Your child's third grade teacher has purple hair, a nose ring, and is named Flower. You can't remember, is pot, is pot illegal or legal? You've been to a baby shower that has two fathers and a surrogate. You have a very strong opinion about where your coffee beans are grown, and you can taste the difference between Sumatran and Ethiopian. Next, you can't remember, is pot legal? Or illegal. Next, a really great parking space can totally move you to tears. Gas is one dollar per gallon more in California than anywhere in the United States. Unlike back home, the guy at eight thirty AM at Starbucks is wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses who looks like Brad Pitt, but he really is Brad Pitt. Your car insurance costs as much as a house payment. You can't remember. Is pot legal or illegal? It's barely sprinkling rain, and there's a report on every news station. Storm watch. The sign of moisture causes people to stop going to school in California. You pass on elementary school playground, and the, you pass an elementary school pre, playground, and children are busy with their smartphones. Hey, now let's see, was pot legal or illegal? Both you and your dog have therapists, psych psychics, personal trainers, and cosmetic surgeons. The rest of the country still can't believe 
the Terminator was actually the governor here. And if you drive illegally, they take your license from you. But if you're here illegally, they want you to get a license because they want you to vote. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, there's a lot of those type things weird about. And this is another one. Uh, I, I, I love this. You know, <clears throat> today is so different than my day. So young people today are just totally strange to me. And uh, when we uh, were teenagers, we were looking forward to getting a driver's license, and we were also looking forward to getting out on our own and getting an apartment or going to college or getting a job or going in the military or going, going, going. Staying at home after your high school years wasn't even in the options. It wasn't even hardly an option. Unless it was maybe to do the first year of junior college. So I love this uh, guy wrote this, said Trump's booming economy means more millennials will be moving out of their parents' basement. Trump is again separating children from their parents. It's so fascinating. We come up with all these little cute phrases. I had a guy I was watching a. I've been watching YouTube clips, interviews with people that have been United States residents and they they moved to Panama and they they tell they're promoting how wonderful it is to live in T Panama and how cheap it is and how you can lower medical costs, lower prescription costs, lower lower utility costs, lower food costs, lower housing costs and you know just l lower stress, you know. And um One guy was telling how they made the the transition in selling their business, selling this, selling all their stuff. And then he made the comment how they sold their house and then they were homeless. And I thought, you know, how abused the word homeless has become. A person sells, they're actually wealthy, but they sell their house and then they call themselves homeless without any nuance to the meaning that it really should have. But I thought it's, we just kind of abuse these words, and uh, and it's like the phrase "separating children from their parents." It's been a polit politicized phrase. As people I know that have actually worked at the border and smuggled people across and drugs, have told me that uh, assured me that the entire uh, movement of people against the southern border coming up from Central America and Mexico is tr totally fraudulent set up. They're educated on how to approach the border. They know that children involved will get different uh, treatment than others. So they're just, they're cheating. They just manipulate the system and look for weaknesses in the system. And that's a terrible weakness in the system. So even though Obama built all those cages down there, the Democrats just lie, 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 lie. You know, there, there is no truth anymore. Um, you cannot count on any truth when you listen to anything on the, from the news or even the newsmakers, people in Congress. It's there. I don't know whether I could count on one hand the truth, the truth sayers in Congress. They're all liars. And most of them are perverts. I'd say the same thing about local politics. And uh, I used to think better of local politics. I think, hey, these people are some solid people. Honestly, I don't. Sacramento. Liars and perverts, the whole bunch of them. 
They're going to they're communists down there. They're, they're going to change this state of California into communism. Well, we're this is our uh, as I mentioned, it's our 43rd episode. And um, if you're new to us, we do this once a week and we do it for about six 20 minute segments with some clips in between educational clips. And we're glad you're with us. If you, I don't know whether you came through sort of a podcast uh, resource and you heard about us or you saw it and you thought, oh, what's this? Clicked on it. But uh, we also have a website, nohostagesradio.com, where if you're interested in articles that are the conservative bent, you can go there and check it out. A lot of the articles I write there are about California stuff going on. Uh, not always. Sometimes I do environmental things or international topics, but a lot of it's local, local here. But the one common denominator is uh, we're in a fight for our lives here in the United States of America. And there are a lot of people that have come here because of the assets and the uh, qualities, philosophy of freedom, etc. that's been here, principles of freedom that have been here for hundreds of years. And yet they don't want to uh, abide by or sow their lives in such a way to make that continue. It's actually they're eroding the very things that made that wonderful um, abundance and prosperity available. It's interesting that uh, once the colonies got rid of socialism, you know, they, when the first people in the Mayflower, they had a, a pact among themselves that they would kind of live communally. It was a total disaster. And it was after that when they they just said, hey, everybody do their best to, to raise enough food and make things. In other words, make things, grow things that would contribute to our community, and then we will buy buy and sell and trade. And, uh, and when they did that, the entire community be- began to flourish within 100 years from starting. I want you to think if you just dump, got dumped on a on an undeveloped uh, piece of property somewhere in the world, and you did not have any connections, and you had to start everything from scratch. In a hundred years, do you think you would be one of the most powerful uh, operators in the world? Well, that's what happened in America just a hundred years after they finally got their feet squared away and their principles right on capitalism, free enterprise in the United States. Did the uh, United States become the industrial leader of the world? It's just shocking. But but people don't know that. When people don't know that, they think, oh, wait, you know, socialism. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Uh, I want free lunch. I want free condoms. I want free... Uh, female hygiene items i want you know i want to get my hair done for free i want to get my nails done for why didn't everybody just take care of me for free right even some of my millennial christian friends are just pussies they just if you invite them to do a couple things with you they they just think they're overwhelmed after they do it you think well now you want to do this you go, oh well you know i don't think i can take on anymore it's like they're so feeble. They sound like they're 95 years old. They're certainly 95 year old intellectually. They just can't hang. They just like it all stressed out. It's it's a shocking. It's a sad thing. It's it's actually a pitiful thing. I feel sorry for them like I would a crippled person because they are. They're mentally and they're psychologically crippled. Uh, this is interesting. The second vote that Chuck Schumer, a senior 
Senator from New York State Chuck Schumer ever cast as a United States senator was to not allow witnesses, not allow witnesses in the Clinton impeachment trial. Today, though, he spent nearly 10 hours fighting to call new witnesses in the Trump impeachment trial. In fact, I think we have a clip here later that that shows the complete hypocrisy uh, that these lying turds uh, are uh, embracing in Washington, D.C. Adam Schiff says, Rich Lowry says, Adam Schiff must be the first prosecutor to show up at a trial and say, gosh, there are a bunch of things I don't know about this case, but would be interested in finding out. <laughs> I just thought, you know something? We laugh about it because it is so bizarre, but I I think we just need to take them out and shoot them. I'm, I'm just sick of this. And and uh, I can see why revolutionaries just finally said, you know something, I'm just done with you. I'm done talking to you because you're stupid. And it doesn't matter what I say to you. You're just it just brings out your stupidity. So what you need is maybe a gunshot to the head and just put you out of your misery and send you to Jesus and have you sorted out up there. Well, we're going to take a break right now. If you're new to this, we're going to it's just five or six minutes. We're we're going to play a clip for you or two. And then we'll be right back and we'll carry on. Okay. Hey, Joe. Oh, what you doing? That gun in your hand. Imagine this. You've got the vice president, Joe Biden, in charge of overseeing our Ukrainian policy and his son, Hunter Biden, receiving 50 grand a month with no identifiable expertise in either energy or Ukraine. Yet the Democrats won't let us present witnesses on that. So let's do the next best thing since we can't bring the witnesses here. Uh, Let's watch a couple of videos. You didn't have any extensive knowledge about natural gas or Ukraine itself, though. No. No. The list that you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the vice president. Of course, president. yeah. No, I, what I, role do you think that played? I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. You know, Joe Biden got a little testy with a voter at one of his events in Iowa last week, calling the man a liar, challenging him to a push-up contest, among other things, and falsely, falsely stating once again that nobody said there was anything wrong with his son's deal in Ukraine. Well, you know what? That's a lot of malarkey. A lot of people have been saying that for quite a while now, and they're right. And what's worse is that first the Intelligence Committee and now this committee are conducting an impeachment investigation against President Trump based on, as Professor Turley put it last week, wafer-thin evidence and ignoring evidence of a high-level U.S. official who actually did engage in a quid pro quo with the Ukrainian government, in fact, confessed to it in this video. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> you got fired. You're investigating the wrong guy, Mr. Chairman. Now, in 2018, they're telling you the, the, 
existential threat to America is a bunch of poor refugees a thousand miles away. They're even taking our brave troops away from their families for a political stunt. President Obama is sending 1,200 National Guard troops to boost security along the U.S.-Mexican border. In addition to the troops, the president is also requesting $500 million for border security. We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. Our message absolutely is don't send your children unaccompanied uh, on trains or through, uh, through a bunch of smugglers. We don't even know how many of these kids don't make it and may have been waylaid into sex trafficking or killed because they fell off a train. We have no way of tracking that. Administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before. We need to try to incentivize Mexico to do more. We are also a nation of laws. It is wrong and ultimately self defeating for a nation of immigrants to permit the kind of abuse of our immigration laws we have seen in recent years. If they've committed transgressions of whatever kind, they should be obviously deported. We will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crime. Illegal immigration is wrong, plain and simple. Until the American people are convinced that we will stop future flows of illegal immigration, we will make no progress on dealing with the millions of illegal immigrants who are here now and on rationalizing our system of legal immigration. When we use phrases like undocumented workers, we convey a message to the American people that their government is not serious about combating illegal immigration. We need to send a message to Washington. We need fiscal restraint. Spent four to eight years complaining about all the cash we spend. Asking for your vote and money, we need limited government. About how these deficits are costing us a trillion a pop. But vote for me, I'll be as stingy as a game stock.
Here's our second uh, segment, and um, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez, the bartender. You know, it's interesting. I saw a deal where the uh, that had a particular picture of AOC, as they call her, and the little, uh, what is she, a Norwegian girl? She's a sophomore in high school. She looks to me like she's got a mental a mental problem when she talks. Uh, it, it, she put on a little act there at the United Nations, but it uh, it said the entire climate uh, platform of the Democrat Party rests on a bartender and a sophomore in high school. I think that's what we've come to because there's really no science behind the, the climate catastrophe that now we have to completely give up our guns, our cars. Uh, our property has to come under the state control. Our water, we have to we have to ration water when there's water running out our ears up here in Northern California. We have to ration everything. And uh, all because of this thing called climate. Our climate is collapsing. She says, Ocasio-Cortez says, I'm not here to villainize and to say that billionaires are inherently morally corrupt, but they are. I mean, I think there's a case, but um, uh, but it's not to say that it's to say that, well, it's to say that this system that we live in, life in capitalism, always ends in billionaires. I thought, what's wrong with that? If you don't do it, someone else will. It's also, it's, it's who decides to make that choice is just kind of up to, you know, circumstance. Now, I'm reading this word for word as it was recorded. This gal is a lunatic. Capitalism ends up creating billionaires and everybody else in between. I'm not a billionaire, but I got, compared to the rest of the world, I'm rich. Hillary Clinton, this is interesting. She says about Bernie Sanders, nobody uh, likes... Bernie Sanders. Nobody wants to work with him. He got nothing done. <laughs> I think he was a career politician. Of all the people calling somebody a career politician, he's a career politician. It's all just baloney, and I feel so bad when people get sucked into it. This is Hillary Clinton talking about Bernie Sanders. I thought, here's another one for Hillary. How could we have known? How could we have known? Harvey Weinstein raised money for me, for the Obamas, for Democrats in general. And that and that at the time was something that everybody thought made sense. Of course, if all of us had known what we know now, it would have affected, would have affected our behavior. I, I saw a, a guy writing a joke said that Harvey Weinstein needs to get an Academy Award at the uh, Oscars for being a crippled pervert. You see him now, we, he walks with a walker. It's just like he's trying to get sympathy from everybody. Oh, let's see. The Daily Callers, uh, one of their authors or their their uh, correspondents said, watching Adam Schiff's 
Schiff lecture us about fair. The fair process is like attending a sportsmanship conference hosted by the Houston Astros. I think some people are catching on to this this uh, this free stuff. I got this sent to me by a local guy here in town. He says the folks who are getting the free stuff don't like the folks who are paying for the free stuff because the folks who are paying for the free stuff can no longer afford to pay for the free stuff and their own stuff together. And the folks who are paying for the free stuff want the free stuff to stop. And the folks who are getting the free stuff want even more free stuff on top of the free stuff they're already getting. Now, the people who are forcing the people who pay for the free stuff have told the people who are receiving the free stuff that the people who are paying for the free stuff are being mean, prejudiced, and racist. That would be me. So the people who are getting the free stuff have been convinced they need to hate the people who are paying for the free stuff by the people who are forcing some people to pay for the free stuff and giving them the free stuff in the first place. We have let the free stuff giving go on for so long that there are now more people getting free stuff than there are people paying for the free stuff. Just something to think about. I think these are good, interesting sayings, but I think it's starting to sink in with a lot of people. Now, last week, I, I was talking some about a former police officer who's running, who was a he's former police officer, former Yuba City Council member, and, and the current candidate for Sutter County Supervisor. And I, I read this um, surreal article in the Appeal Democrats, a local newspaper up here in Northern California. They need your subscriptions. If you, if you want to donate to a nonprofit, I don't think they make any profit anymore over there, but I just every every morning I get up and I wonder are they going to close today, but they they are still writing articles and I'm glad they're in business. Frankly, I like to I like to keep up with what's going on. I don't know how we're going to do that when the newspaper shut down. So uh, anyway, I've been so fascinated by kind of a surreal story that uh, John Buckland uh, generated because he was arrested, but it looks like you can get arrested in Yuba County and be disorderly and get arrested and have either drugs or alcohol on board, get brought over to the sheriff's department and they just let you sober up and go home. It's, it seems like it probably was back in the wild, wild West when they just, you know, that like the Andy Griffith show, you remember the Andy Griffith show Mayberry and they, they'd bring those old drunk guys in and they'd so they'd sober them up and then they'd send them out. So I think that's what they did to John. And they, they, some of the people over there, the jail said John was a little scuffed up when he got there. And I thought, I, I don't, you know, John's a big boy. He's like six, two, six, something. I, I would not want to have to tell John I'm going to arrest him. I think John would put the whoop on me. I'm a smaller guy and he's a lot younger than I am, but John's a big old boy. And somebody had to do a takedown on John to get him all scuffed up like that. Or maybe he got into it with one of the people out there. And I kind of covered some of this article last week, but I've been thinking about it all week, and I'm just fascinated by it still. It's got my attention. And I noticed that he said, uh, let's see, uh, he was transported to Yuba County Jail on charge of being drunk in public after being taken into custody in the parking lot of the new Yuba County. Um, there's a casino in Yuba County. They call it all kinds of names because they didn't want to identify it with Yuba County or Marysville. They wanted to identify it with something more classy like Sacramento, even though it's closer 
It's in Yuba County. It's like, oh, we didn't want to be in Yuba County. Can we call ourselves something different like West Coast? So they call themselves the uh, heart. They got all kinds of names like Fire Mountain or, you know, on fire or all fired up or loaded up. And so um, John Buckland was arrested and he was released in the morning. No no charges filed. And what the sheriff said is they do that all the time. That's the policy over here in Sutter County, I understand, which is just across the river for you out of staters that are listening. They book you and and cite you or file charges then they release you eventually you can bail out so anyway uh one the point is uh the details for the reason of the arrest are unclear the article said buckland wrote a news release uh it's amazing to me now if i got arrested for drunk driving or driving screwy and then they tried to figure out what i was doing wrong whether i was out of my mind just generally or whether I was under in, under the influence of adult beverages or adult narcotics or street narcotics, and I, I would not put out a news release, <laughs> at least not like this. We need somebody to help John. And uh, so it said he met with a business. He, the reason he was out there wasn't to gamble or go get, go get some drinks or to look at girls with just a little bit of clothes on. He was out there to meet a business client in the Hard Rock Casino and Hotel parking lot. Now, I've noticed that now at Marysville Police under Aaron Easton, he was the guy who quit after getting caught uh, actually f- having sex with all kinds of people in the area and then was suspected of killing his wife, uh, though the police have never said she didn't commit suicide. They've. I don't know how many years it takes to solve a crime or whether they've quit trying to solve it and they're just letting it go for a while. But uh, Aaron uh, was uh, it was revealed by a lady in Sacramento County Jail that Aaron had had sex with her in his patrol car for Yuba County Sheriff's Department at one time. So then then he then he quit as police chief of Marysville. But one of the things he started was this. He has these two parking spots in front of the police department where you could, if you don't get along with your ex, you could pull in there and do a safe handoff at the police department. So things wouldn't get out of control. People would behave themselves. So I wondered if people are going to start doing business in the parking lot at the casino, maybe they could have a little handoff spot with a, with a cover over it. So if they wanted to do it in the rain then they were handing off paperwork or money or narcotics or Tupperware. Maybe John was out there to buy. He got a, He bought some Tupperware and they were delivering Tupperware to him uh, out there. And they said, let's meet in a mutually uh, acceptable location. You know, sometimes when you buy stuff online, it's a little dangerous. You don't know the people and you, somebody has this product or gun or piece of equipment you want. And you and so you think, oh, well, I need to meet in a safe spot. Well, one safe spot would be out in the parking lot of a, a big, you know, a big public place like conference center. So anyway, I thought if the this might be a, a new uh, cash cow for Hard Rock Casino is to invite people that, you know, how Walmart allows people to stay overnight in their parking lot. Maybe the casino could allow business deals to go down out there, and maybe the tweakers could, like, do business deals out there and feel safe. There's a lot of lighting out there. Nobody's going to pull a gun on them. 
So anyway, Buckland was out there and first he just did a quick exchange of something, had met a business client in the parking lot. I I have never met a business client in a parking lot before. I usually have, go have coffee with them or something. But in this case, John went and somebody said he was actually under the influence so much so that uh, I'll tell you, no law enforcement official wants to wrestle with somebody if they're really not drunk. Because you bring them in, you have to fight them first and get all scuffed up, your uniform goofed up. And you go in and they blow a, no no narcotics and no alcohol on board. It makes you look kind of stupid. So uh, anyway, John said, I encountered an unprecedented response to an innocent an incident in the parking lot. An unprecedented response. Now, I know that the Native Americans believe in the supernatural and they used to call it Fire Mountain out there at the Buttes because there's natural gas come out of those mountains out there. And the story goes that sometimes the Native Americans, Maidus or whatever, would look out there and the mountains would be on fire. There'd be flames coming up. And they say that there was natural gas and maybe a lightning strike struck the natural gas. And outcome, it's just like an eternal flame was like burning for a while. So maybe this was an unprecedented response to an incident in the parking lot. It's it's just like one of those things where you have a plan, a family planning, and that's where you kill the child. Or somebody just told me today, I you know the whole anchor baby thing. We're the only I think we're only we're the only country or one of two countries of 197 countries in the world that if you. If you're over here at Disneyland and you come over for Disneyland or to visit somebody and you all of a sudden you come under the influence of having a baby. If you have a baby here, even though you may be an Ethiopian or you may be a Cambodian and you're just over here for a visit, your kid does not come out Cambodian. It comes out American. It's called what we call an anchor baby. But now it's a there's a new term. It's another euphemism. They call it birth tourism birth tourism is this totally ridiculous and you know what's going to happen they're saying now that trump is going to try to restrict this why would you allow people like if i if i flew in with a lady to vietnam and she had a child that child wouldn't be vietnamese it'd be american because i'm an american the lady would be american with me but for some reason we've got these democrats in our country that claim that somehow in the Constitution, our founding fathers wanted to open the entire world up to our borders to say, if you could just make it here, you can float here on a boat or a piece of wood pregnant, and you end up delivering a child while you're here, that child will now become a U.S. citizen without doing anything. Crazy. Is that right? They call it birth tourism. Is that the most stupid thing you've ever heard? But you watch. There's going to be a big fight in Congress or in the Senate, or both, over this issue, as if it needed a constitutional amendment to straighten it out. And there's no, there was no, there's no, uh, anything having to do with citizenship had to do with slaves back in the day when they were trying to figure out, okay, if we end this slavery thing, are these people still Africans, or are they now Americans? I get a kick out of it. I saw one of my friends sent me a a uh, little video clip of this black guy talking at, I don't know where he was out at some protest. And he was getting on everybody about 
hyphenating their ethnicity. I'm Chinese American. I'm I'm Mexican American. I'm Honduran American. He said, screw that. He said, I'm not African American. He, the guy was black as can be. He said, I'm not African American. He said, I'm an American. I was born here. He said, I don't have anything to do with Africa. <laughs> just like all these people. I, I always say, if you don't like it here, it's just like, hey, it doesn't take hardly anything. You don't have to take get on the Mayflower and take 90 days to cross the uh, the Atlantic. You can just, in, in just a matter of hours. In fact, you don't even, you, you can just buy a ticket immediately and just leave if you got a passport from none of these places. You know that I remember a lot of a lot of you folks probably nine point nine 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 of ten doesn't know this name Eldridge Cleaver. He was a Black Panther, one of the leaders in the Black Panther Party in the nineteen sixties, and I I uh, in the seventies, and I saw him speak at uh, Cal State Sacramento, and he came down there and just cussed and cussed and cussed, and I used to cuss a lot back then. He called everybody. Every police officer, an effing pig, effing pig, effing pig, effing pig, effing pig. He just, that's all he could say over and over, effing pig, effing this, effing that. And, and and that made him a leader in the Black Panther Party. And so he'd shot people and all kinds of stuff. So finally, he just thought, hey, I'm not going to put up with stuff in America. And he said, I'm going, I'm going where uh, there's communists. And so he went over to Angola. I think it was Angola. And he went over there. <laughs> I loved it, man. He went over there and got his butt kicked, got his butt kicked so far up around his ears that he came home with his tail gone. It just ate his tail off and came, he came home and got a kind of come to Jesus moment and lived out the rest of his life over here. I think following Jesus, but he quit that. <laughs> it knocked the black Panther stuff right out of his system. I think he wrote, did he write the book? Soul on ice, something like that. Anyway, um, there you have it. So back to John Buckland. Um, I don't even know whether they're going to file charges against old John. I think now in Yuba County, particularly if you get drunk out the casino, all they'll do is hire you. You know, we don't even get paid for this, to our police department, right? We're, I don't even know whether they've ever made any payments to the police, our, our sheriff's department. They're supposed to make a big payment. They made a payment to the county. The, the um, Native Americans out there, but I don't need—I don't even know whether they ever made a payment to law enforcement. But we got law enforcement people working out there, and uh, here they're—they're they're having to wrestle big six-foot-two guys to the ground and haul them over to the, the sheriff's department, and then the—then the the sheriff's department's got to put up with them over there. All the workers who got to take anybody that walks through those doors, and he roughed them up, and he just got sobered up for a while and. And brushed his teeth and took a pee and walked out, walked out, and maybe even got himself breakfast over there. Uh, so neither that said neither Buckland or the sheriff's department elaborated on it. But I, I understand wherever Buckland goes, he's sharing his testimony about this unprecedented uh, response to an incident in the parking lot. We don't know what happened. It could have been a meteorite. It could have been gas lit on fire, sparking out of the ground. It could have, you know, it could have been anything. Could have been a demonic spirit. I don't know. Maybe somebody stole the Tupperware he was buying out there in the parking lot. I don't, don't know what happened. But it sounds like, now when we, uh, you remember back in the days when we were fighting over whether we should have a casino or not, 
And so the supervisors said, hey, why don't we put it on the ballot and let the people decide? But it's just going to be an advisory vote. Vote. They thought for sure they would get a positive vote for the casino. Well, that was called Measure G back in the day. But unfortunately, Measure G for them, it, it, the people didn't want the casino. Majority of the people didn't want it. But, at, but you know, it's kind of like you're for democracy until you're against it. <laughs> so if democracy is working for you and you get the vote, good. But if you get, you get on the short end of the stick, uh, then you're not for democracy. So the supervisors chose to ignore that. But one of the things that tipped the scale on the vote was a guy named Dan Logue, who was supervisor or getting ready to be supervisor, I think, or just just had been become supervisor. He uh, there was an article in the Christian, uh, the not Christian, but the Chico News and Review uh, in Chico. It's a well-known weekly paper up there. And it was an article, just a coincidence, as they say. It was an article about Feather Falls or Gold Country Casino in Butte County, and it talked about how there was all kinds of business deals going down in the casino in the parking lot. They were meth deals because it was a 24-hour-a-day deal. You could, they, you could get some food. You could go to the bathroom. You could hang out, and the person didn't show up on time. You can wait. There was no problem. And no cops are going to bother you. Why? Because it's an Indian casino and they're not going to harass you on Indian property. Right. And uh, when we ran that article, when that article came out, we photocopied it, sent it to all the, the voters in Yuba County. And they said, we don't want that down here. And they voted against the majority voted against Measure G to not have the casino. But it had no impact because democracy only works when the people in power get the vote to go their way. And so um, now we, we have a little rendezvous point out there. If you want to have sex and your wife's not giving you any, you can go find somebody out there and you can rendezvous in the parking lot because it's safe out there. No, nobody's going to be out there beating you over the head or doing something weird. It'll be safe out there. You got, you got, you know, you got, what do they call them? Uh, security guards and all those kind of people helping you out. So uh, we'll be right back. Just we're finished up our sec second segment. I got a John Stossel clip about why do you need the government to give you a license anytime you want to go out and make a little money? We'll be right back. Do you have a license? You better. Government often demands licenses before you're allowed to work. People think this is a good idea. We license drivers. We license dogs. People think it makes us safer. But licensing also does something bad. If people want to work, let them work. 11-year-old Madison Root was told she could not work because she didn't have a license. She wanted money for braces, so she tried selling mistletoe. Here she is in a tree, picking it. But when she went to sell it at this outdoor market, police told her, stop, that's illegal. They told her she could beg, but she can't sell anything. So her father sent us this video. I was amazed that people cannot work hard, but they can 
be just lazy? I assume that's not exactly what the cops meant, but the fact is... All over America, people want to work but can't because it's so hard to get proper licenses. In the 1950s, well, only about 1 in 20 Americans needed the government's blessing to do their job. Today, that number is more than 1 in 3. This new book, Bottleneckers, reveals how licensing rules allow older businesses to profit by keeping newcomers out. These are people who want to erect barriers, who want to put in place bottlenecks because they want to keep competitors out. It's kind of like what happens on a highway if you close a lane. The established existing businesses are like these motorcycles. Licenses don't slow them down. During my consumer reporter days, I assumed licenses protected us from scams like these. We are not ripping people off. But licensing doesn't stop that. Georgia funeral director who was pitching dead bodies out in the woods behind his funeral establishment. He was licensed. Bernie Madoff was licensed. Teachers in public schools who have sex with their students, licensed. Licensing doesn't stop that. What licensing does do is crush new entrepreneurs. Want to braid people's hair? This woman was told she couldn't do it legally unless she spent thousands of hours to get a cosmetology license. She begged the government, just let me braid. I was making these phone calls to the Board of Cosmetology saying, I don't want to do cosmetology. All I want to do is braid hair. No, not without our license, said the Cosmetology Board. These are people who have a clear conflict of interest. Of course they do. She wants to compete with them. Cosmetologists got together and they went to the legislature and they lobbied for the creation of a license. Makes me wonder, how could I get rid of my competition? I'm annoyed by all these TV channels. <laughs> I'd like to limit that. <laughs> yes, I'm sure. So and, what you and, need to do, John, is that you need to go to the government and ask for special protection. You need to claim that there's some public interest, some way that the public is going to be protected by limiting the number of providers. And that actually happened in America. When I started in TV, most viewers just had ABC, CBS, NBC, and boring public television. People could have had many more channels. Cable TV technology was available. But lobbyists for my employer argued, no, that'll hurt poor people. They need broadcast TV. They can't afford cable. So the FCC limited cable TV for years. And that helped me make more money. <laughs> Certainly it does. That's the effect of licensing. That is, the people who are in the industry have the ability to artificially inflate prices and their wages as a result. And consumers are worse off. I was better off. You were much better off, but now we realize everyone else was worse off. That's what the bottleneck does. It limits choices, thereby raising prices and enriching older businesses. There are so many bottlenecks. We'll show you a bunch in the next episodes. We'll also show you how these problems can be better solved by the free market. Market regulation actually is enough for the vast majority of occupations out there. Bottleneckers around America, they make life worse for you. See, I grew up in a predominantly Irish and Italian community. And my father was a bartender at the Irish American. And I, that's why I first liked, learned to like dialects. Because he had friends from Ireland. And I get to listen to them and they tell me all wonderful stories about growing up in Ireland. It was quite fascinating. And, but you know what? It, it, honesty is part of their culture. And they said, you're a good boy, but you're a fat little kid. <laughs>
I don't want to frighten you, but if you're too fat, the angels won't be able to carry you to heaven. Actually, my dad's friends from Ireland gave me the best diet advice they ever had. I'm going to give you a diet. It's going to work for you your whole life. And it is, you know, because I've been up and I've been down and I feel pretty good now. And he said, this is the only thing that's ever worked. Gonna write it down. It's a good diet. Stop your eating. If you see it and it looks all sweet and tasty, well then keep walking. Because you're a fashion boy. Make a good Nutrisystem commercial. I'm Tommy Sullivan for Nutrisystem. Send in $49.95. We'll send you a big box of nothing. Last night and the night before, 25 robbers at my door. I got up and let them in, but I missed them all with my room. Okay, third segment, here we go. I wanted to mention uh, the recall, it's it's coming to an end, gang. So all you that, that whine and complain, and oh my God, you, you're all tough and everything. You post stuff on Facebook. Oh, this crazy governor, he's an idiot. He's an a-hole. He's this, he's that. You're going off, strutting your stuff. Doesn't mean a thing. You're not having any impact at all. Just save your typing. Save your keyboard. Don't wear that keyboard out. You could go out and vote. And we're suggesting you recall the governor. And you think, well, that's not change. You know, not doing one thing isn't going to change anything. You got to get in this fight. And whether it's we, you look at the American Revolution, you look at the Civil War, it ain't going to be over in a day. You're going to have to get in this fight and decide, I'm going to fight this to the end. However, this works out, I'm going to do the right thing. Or just keep your mouth shut. Keep Quit posting your crap on Facebook. It's filling up my news feed. I get tired of it. If I catch some of you people, you're not even going to vote. I'm going to block you because it's just monkeying up. Even though you say the right thing, I'm tired of all this stuff. And then people don't do anything. They don't vote. They don't, uh, they don't organize for a recall. So you can go to R-A-N-A-F, R-A-N like a never A-F dot org. And you can find out how to sign up to vote. Whatever county you're sitting in, in California, you can find out where you can go sign up a petition. And uh, so we can get the question on the ballot in March. And the question will be, should the governor be recalled? Then everybody gets to vote on it. Yes or no. If he does get recalled, then we get to, at the same time, in the event he's recalled, you can say, I, I want him to be recalled, Right. And you can also vote for who you want to substitute for him, right? So you vote for two things. You vote for the recall and you vote for the substitute. And that's how it works. But we can't do anything until we recall him. So in Eubin Sutter counties, if you don't know what you're doing, you don't know where to go, you can go to Elite Universal Security. And that's right here in Yuba County, just south of Marysville at 5548 Feather River Boulevard. Five five four eight, and you can go any day of the week. 
even after hours, because it's a 24-hour security headquarters. They, they keep people safe up and down California from south of Sacramento already all, all, all the way up to uh, the south, south side of Oregon. And uh, so you can call them at 749-0280-0280-749-0280-530 area code. And uh, but you don't you can just show up. Boom. You just walk in and they'll say, what do you need? I want to sign the petition to recall the governor. They'll show you where to sign. They'll say, do you need to register to vote? If you need to register, register to vote. If you're going to register to vote. It's a screwy primary here in California if you're new to this area. <clears throat> so if you're going to be in California and vote, you got to put a party down or you won't be able to vote for a particular person, any person you want in the primary. So, for instance, I'm, I'm supporting a guy named Sean Voigt who's running against uh, a Democrat named Garamendi uh, in the in the general election. But we, we got to get him through the primary first, Sean Voigt. And it's F-E-U-C-H-T. And so in order to vote for Sean, you're going to have to register Republican. If you like the Democrat, obviously, you know what answer you're going to stick with. If you like if you like a a white Obama, that's who you got in Garamendi, except he's old. I think he just they're holding him together with formaldehyde. He's never had a job. He's, He's like in the 70s. He's never had a job except politics. Now, it, that's not what the founders intended, but you may not care about that. And you think, oh, he's okay with me. I want to collect welfare. So that's the guy I want. So, but if Sean Foyt is a millennial and uh, he's a sharp guy, graduated from Oral Roberts University, majored in business, minored in music, made a lot of money uh, in business and music. And now he wants to serve instead of whine about it. So you could give give him a shot, but you can't if you're not registered to vote. You can if you're registered as an independent or a Green Party or independent or not, declined a state or Democrat. You can't vote for him in the primary. So you could if he gets into general election. You can then no matter how you're registered to vote. So get registered, and you could go out of elite universal security. You can let's see. Just don't register. Get a petition. And take one home with you, a petition, the full petition, and get some signatures from your neighbors if they're registered to vote, or you can help them get registered. Then turn that back into Monty at Elite Universal Security, and he will get it turned into the uh, organization that's helping to recall the governor. Let me tell you, if we don't recall this governor, we're in for some big problems. I don't know whether you've heard about this or not, but... They're they're working on the final rules on uh, rationing your water inside the house. Now, I don't know how they're going to do it, but I do know the amount, and it's 55 gallons per day. I've been watching my water usage, and I don't even wash clothes here. And my and right now, I'm not using any water outside, so I've been looking at my water usage during the winter, and I'm telling you, you're much better off if you have a house full of people because you got 55 gallons per person. But if you're an individual, when you start adding up your showers, cooking water for cooking, showers, cleaning, that's a lot of water. 
I'm telling you, if you're showering every day, some of you are not going to be able to do that every day, that showering thing every day. But either I got a water leak around here. I don't see no water leak, but I'm using too much water compared to this 55 gallon. And after a couple of years, they're going to push it down to 52. Then after a few more years, 50. And here's the odd thing about this California. We do not have a water shortage up here. But what they're forcing is they're forcing you to let all the water go to the ocean. Is that nuts or whatever? It's just like allowing, saying you need to go on a fast while the, while the food trucks are going by, the taco trucks are driving by, and the hamburger trucks are driving by. They said you can't have a hamburger. You can't have a taco. Even though you can afford to buy it, you can't have one because you, you weigh too much. So what they're saying with water is the fish need it in the Pacific Ocean in the Delta, so screw the farmers, screw all you people, even though you can afford to buy the water and use the water, you're not going to get it because it's for the animals and the fish and the birds. So screw you people. That's what they're saying. That's what Gavin Newsom's saying. Gavin Newsom wants to stop the oil industry in the state of California. Stop oil and natural gas. I don't know whether you looked at your PG&E bill. Listen, I'm just one person. I'm really careful about my utilities. My my gas bill blew me totally off the out of my house. Boom. I thought that's ridiculous. But it's cold and I want to run my heater, right? Electricity, I don't use very much of it. But uh gas, natural gas, you know here's the odd thing. Natural gas, we're having a a huge boom. Not kaboom, but boom in natural gas resources. We have so much. We're selling it all over the world. Why are we paying so much for PG&E? Because the government has now running, basically running PG&E, forcing them to get out of the gas business and and buy green energy. That's bird blenders and solar. It's a total loser. They don't need to do that. It's not cleaning up the environment. It's a total loser. There's nothing wrong with using natural gas. So that's a type. I could go on and spend day after day after day with how screwy Newsom is. He's the guy that's bringing your transsexuality to your schools. Uh, it's just he took your he took the road money already. The road money that a lot of you just said, oh. If we don't vote for the roads, we're not going to have we're not going to have any good roads. <laughs> we got to trust them, man. They're 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 we're all together, and we got to, you know, even the people at Yuba County. Oh, please don't vote vote to repeal the road money. Like we're, otherwise, we're not going to be able to fix our roads. You know what happened? Gavin Newsom just took the road money, going to spend it on trains. How about that for leadership in Yuba County? We don't want to repeal. We don't want to repeal SB one, man, because then we're going to get on. You know, you know these supervisors. There's not a leader in the bunch of them. They're all they're all pussies. They 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 don't have. They are not going to stand up on Second Amendment rights. They're not going to stand up for our water rights. They're not going to stand up for our road monies. They're not going to stand up for anything. You know what they say? Oh, well, what if they take away our money? What if they take away something? You think any of these supervisors here would organize uh, a protest like they did in Virginia? They they don't they don't respect their oath of office. I've taken that oath of office is to pro- 
is to defend the Constitution. There's not one of these leaders in either county that's defending the Constitution right now. Our our uh, our Second Amendment firearm rights have already been violated. It's the very fact that you got to go over there and apply for a permit to have a concealed weapon is nonsense. It's total violation of our rights, constitutional rights. But nobody's doing nothing about it. So if you don't want to fight for your rights, you just want to sit at your home and wait for them to come and take your business, take your they're gonna ultimately they're gonna take your property, just like in communist countries. They take your property and uh they let you stay there until they don't want you to stay there, and then they just tell you to leave. It's the way it is. They want your water, they'll take your water. They want your crop, they'll take your crop. It's just it, just like the when England used to come come here with their troops, if they needed places to stay, they would just take your house. They'd say, you, you need to take these two troops in, take care of them, feed them, bathe them, take care of their horse. Man, there's, there's people got pissed off at that. But a lot of you, uh, you don't even deserve to be, uh, you're, you're actually an embarrassment uh, to our founding fathers that you for them to, if they, I don't know whether they're mindful of what's going on here right now. I don't know how that works in the eternal world. If they're mindful of what we've done and, and we sit here and just coast on what they gave their lives for and we don't do anything, how embarrassing. Just totally embarrassing. By the way, Monty Hecker, uh, since I've been talking about recalling the governor, uh, Monty Hecker, if, if you want a job, in fact, I was... I got a kick out of that joke about the uh, in fact, in fact, there's another one about millennials where there's a photo of these people with placards and saying they were against Trump because they didn't want to have to go to work. That's really what it boils down to. Monty Hecker's, you know, I've been finding uh, I was driving, delivering a uh, couple um, addicts to rehab this week and. I was amazed at the amount of truckers that on the back of the truck, the back of the trailer, there's drivers wanted, drivers wanted, drivers wanted, 800 number, drivers wanted, 800 number. Walmart had advertising for drivers, these big truck lines, drivers wanted, drive. those are good jobs. If I was a young guy, I might do that. That's good money. And, uh, but there's, there's, there's hiring signs all over the place, and Monty Hecker's trying to hire people as well. And in fact, I ran into a friend I, I grew up with in Marysville who's doing some work over at the courthouse for Monty Hecker here in Marysville, Yuba County Courthouse. And I hadn't seen him in 30 years. And I went in there and he had to check me over to make sure I was good to go to get into the courthouse before I make sure I wasn't going to come in there and stab or shoot somebody. Uh, so if you want to get a job with Elite Universal Security, they'll actually train you and prepare you to do the job if you thought, oh, I'd kind of... I could use a I could use twenty hours a week or whatever, but I I don't have any idea how to do that. But they'll train you how to do it, so um, they'll hook you up. So you could call them at five three zero seven four nine zero two eight zero, or you could go to api academy dot com, and they have all kinds of courses. They have uh, courses if you want to comply with this concealed weapon permit. I just wrote an article in the Territorial Dispatch encouraging people. To uh, 
to go ahead and buy buy their guns and ammo out of state and just sneak them back in as an act of civil disobedience. Because the fact is, it's not disobedient to the Constitution of the United States. It's not disobedient to what the founding fathers and the people that founded this country, all the citizens established. It was like a no-brainer that everybody's going to be armed, right? We just got through with thousands and thousands of people getting killed, wounded, maimed, displaced, died of diseases to get these rights insured, right? They're God-given rights or what they call natural rights. You hear people say these are natural rights. In other words, they, they come from us just because we exist, right? It has nothing to do with government. And all the, the Second Amendment did was tell government, hey, 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 these people have all these rights, and don't be messing with them, like creating like, oh, well, you have to ask me for permission. Oh, well, you have to pay me $45. I was talking to a guy the other day. He said, Lou, the thing that really gets me about this, I was having this one of the listeners here called me up or texted me, said, can you have, can I have uh, coffee? So we had coffee this, this week. And uh, he was saying, you know, what really gets me. He was telling me all the costs that go into starting out, get your, you get your gun, right? But then you have to get a, a weapons permit and all you have to go through the classes and you have to pay for the class. Then you have to pay for the fee to, you know, it's like ridiculous. You shouldn't have to pay a nickel for any of it. If you want to take a class on how to handle a gun so you don't shoot yourself in the foot or shoot somebody else accidentally, how to clean a gun, how to handle a gun, how to shoot, great. But for to pay for just the right to have it and to jump through a lot of hoops, stupid, totally against all. The same way I feel about licensing. You want to, if you want to be a hairdresser and somebody wants you to do their hair and they like the way you do their hair so that you build a business because people keep coming back and back and back and back and back, same with nails or whatever you want to do, you should never have to go get a license from the government. Screw the government. So... Um, Anyway, check in with Monty Hecker if you want a job or, or if you want to go through his training. They'll teach you how to use lasers, not lasers, tasers, uh, also pepper spray, all kinds of stuff. They got all kinds of cool courses out there, but uh, you need to check into it and get it on. Okay, so that's that. Let's see. We're, we've got a few minutes left here. Let me see where I can go here and, and without going too much. Um, all right, got that. Oh, this is unbelievable. Um, they, I just saw a deal where they said, I don't know what span of time this has happened, but at least 500 restaurants in San Francisco have closed because of all the homelessness, vagrancy, the increased costs, the taxes, uh, they're just running them out of the they, uh, minimum wage, just shutting those restaurants down. And uh, so I just saw one that shut uh, on, a, it, on a uh, YouTube clip where this restaurant had five outlets in the Bay Area. They shut five. They shut them all down under one name and opened up one over in Lafayette under another name. So a national chain, it said called the Roadhouse Grill, also closed in La Sierra Avenue. Let's see. Oh, this one. Uh, we're talking about people that are closing because of homelessness and vagrants, said 
Ace Hardware, you know, we have an Ace Hardware in Marysville uh, Chime Lumber Company. They've been here for 100 years. Uh, they're an Ace Hardware store in Riverside, California. Ace Hardware shutting down its owners left um, and the store known for good customer service, community service, support of the military, had a 4.5 star Yelp rating. Uh, owners felt they were playing uh, like whack-a-mole with the anti-business environment plaguing the city, county, and the entire state. I just saw, I watched the super, the uh, city council meeting for Marysville this week. It's online, which I really appreciated. Uh, but I, one of the things, a couple of the city council people said they really wanted to be, uh, they didn't want to be any more of a hindrance to business. And I thought, well, that's good. That's good that they said that because the guy who said it never been in a business in his entire life, works for government, never never signed a check in his entire life. So I thought, well, I'm glad he's thinking that way. However, they've got things so screwed up up until this point that people don't want to come to Marysville. So this guy says they uh, it's Ted and Pam Workman. They own the shop at uh, La Sierra Avenue. Um, they, it was their dream come true to build a chain of small hardware stores and have a legacy for their children. And, uh, Ted wrote at the same time, had I passed away, Pam and the kids would have had a steady business to rely on. Um, anyway, these people just threw in the towel and, uh, shutting it down. They're just dealing with people stealing out of the store homelessness, the, there's no penalty for thievery in, in California anymore. Said every earlier this year, National Chain Restaurant Roadhouse Grill also closed on La Sierra Avenue. They posted a letter citing the region, reasons, the similar ones I just gave. Uh, it was a 20-year-old uh, operation. Uh, the Staples and Sport Chalet, also a national chain store, called it quits and left the community. Uh, Let's see. He said the owner of Ace Hardware, check this out, said he never felt it was safe for his family members to stay at the store alone when he wasn't there. And it was impossible for him to be there all day. That's something, folks, where you have to, you know, when I go to third world countries, often there are police officers or guards that just they're packing and they're they're in stores. They're standing at the entrance checking people coming in and going out. And that's what we're coming to because we have politicians that have been emasculated. Oh, for you out in Lyndon Oliver's, that means they got their balls cut off. And uh, so they don't have those anymore. And so they don't have any backbone. They don't have any juice to like take care of real business. And like a man, C.S. Lewis says they're men without chests, right? Can you look, have you ever seen a guy that got no pecs, got no chest? It, he just looks like a little girl right before she gets breasts, you know, just like the worst of both worlds. So uh, Ted says theft was a big issue. I'm sure bigger than we know or will ever know. Unlike bigger stores, theft protection was as conf- was us confronting the thief. We installed magnetic safety locks on many of the products, which make it more difficult for our honest customers to shop at the store. The thieves brought their own mag- magnets to unlock them and tore them off the product. Due to the newer California laws, uh, whether they got caught or not, the consequences were minimal, a slap on the wrist. We have many outstanding reports uh, 
we have never heard back on where we complain to the police, nor probably never will. Homeless, vagrants, transients, whatever they are, whatever you want to call them, we're just another nail in our business coffin. The federally mandated homeless count, uh, well, anyway, I won't get into that. That's another deal. Uh, but I'm telling you, uh, if you're in California and uh, you're screwed, if you're in these other states that listen to us, Nevada, Oregon, uh, Missouri, Florida, maybe it's coming your way, maybe not. I don't know why they're choosing certain communities. They're certainly choosing states where they're uh, they got the welcome mat out for people to shoot drugs, steal crap right in your front, right in front of your front door, and do all that kind of stuff. So uh, another lady there was had made national news. A gal named Elizabeth no- Novak. She posted a Facebook video. Uh, she had uh, she had developed a I, I believe a hair hair salon that type of beauty business down in downtown Sacramento. She became irate at Gavin Gavin Newsom posted an irate video. Uh, Novak said she owned her salon for 15 years. She said, "I just want to tell you what happens when I get to work. I have to clean poop and pee off my doorstep. I have to clean up the syringes. I have to politely ask people who I care for." Um, I have to politely ask the people who I care for, I care for these people that are homeless to move their tents. I care. In other words, she's saying I care about them, but I got that. I can't, I can't do this business. If they're in front of my front door, I got to have them move their tents to move their tents out of the way of the door of my business. I have to fight off people who push their way into my shop who are homeless on drugs because you won't arrest them for drug offenses. I have to apologize to my clients as to why they can't get into my door around these other people because there's someone asleep there or they're sick or they're pooping or something, something, something. Ted with Ace Hardware says, we do not consider ourselves a failure, but when you are mistreated or stolen from, you take it personally. And I may have lost my cool a few times for that. I'm sorry. We all learn so much with regards to our products, running a business, people skills, etc. We are better for doing this in many ways. Anyway, Novak, the the salon lady, young woman, probably about 30, she says, or maybe she's 35, maybe, you want to make us a sanctuary. She's saying this to government nuisance. So all you people that can't find any time, any wherewithal uh, to, to recall this idiot, Governor Newsom, uh, I can't say on the air what I feel about you. Anyway, Novak ended her video by saying, you want to make us a sanctuary state? You want to make it comfortable for everyone except for the people that work hard and have tried their hardest to get along? She says to Newsom, your liberal ideology, it isn't working. Well, I'd say back to Novak, it has never worked anywhere. It's the, it's the ideology, the philosophy of the mentally ill. We'll be right back. We're finished our third segment here. So uh, this is uh, something about sanctuary cities today where a guy uh, came all the way into the United States because we let illegals. It's easy here to rape women and children and get away with it. So this guy raped and murdered a 92-year-old woman in New York City or New York State. Check this out. 
So I sing a song for the hustlers trading at the bus stop. Single mothers waiting on a check to come. Young teachers, student doctors, sons on the front line, knowing they don't get to run. This goes up to the underdog. Keep on keeping that what you love, and you'll find that someday, soon enough, you will rise up. Immigration Enforcement has issued an immigration detainer for a Guyanese illegal alien accused of raping and murdering a 92-year-old woman in New York City, who he reportedly tackled to the ground, dragged behind a parked car, sexually assaulted, and then left alone in the freezing cold to die. This story brought to you by liberals. So first, the story. Police say 21-year-old Riaz Khan attacked and killed 92-year-old Queens resident Maria Fuertes as she walked near her home in the early morning hours of Monday, January 9th. According to her neighbors, Fuertes was known in her community for her love of cats and her habit of walking in her neighborhood late at night when she would pick up trash and feed stray animals. Now, police also say that Khan left Fuertes lying in the road half-naked in 32-degree weather for two hours before someone finally found her around 2 a.m. barely clinging to life. She was taken to a local hospital where she was soon pronounced dead. The attack was partially caught by nearby surveillance video, which failed to capture the alleged sexual assault that reportedly took place behind a parked car. Now, adding insult to injury, Khan's reported denial was of the age-old fell down and accidentally raped her variety. He allegedly told investigators that he had found Fuertes lying in the street and had tried to help her, but that he fell down, his belt broke, his pants fell down, and his penis fell near her vagina, according to a prosecutor who spoke at Khan's initial court hearing on Friday. Really kind of takes the whole he was just trying to put it in her purse trope to a brand new level. Now, ICE says the Khan should never have even been on the streets in the first place, not only because he was in the country illegally after having overstayed his 2016 tourist visa, but because he had also been picked up in November for assault and weapons charges, stemming from having reportedly attacked his father with a broken ceramic mug, but had been released after New York City officials ignored an ICE detainer thanks to the city's sanctuary city policies. But now that an elderly woman is dead, Khan has been charged with murder, sexual abuse, contact by forcible compulsion, and sexual abuse against a person incapable of consent. He's currently being held without bail at Rikers Island, and if he is convicted, he's looking at 25 years to life. Thank you, taxpayers. And thank you, New York City. Thank you for protecting illegal aliens who knowingly violate our immigration laws. Thank you for releasing dangerous criminals back into our streets to threaten the rest of us who are just trying to peacefully go about our lives. Thank you for putting criminals above law-abiding citizens, for putting little old ladies at risk from people who shouldn't even be here in the first place. Thank you for caring so much more about politics than about the lives of your own people in your own city. And thank you for proving yet again how ridiculous, dangerous, and insane the left's immigration platform truly is and just how stupid they think we all are. I just wish Maria Fuertes were here so that you could tell her to her face that her life was worth less than votes. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, Kitty Worthman. Thank you very much. I was born in Austria, and I lived there seven years under Hitler's brutal regime. And after World War II, three years under Soviet communist occupation.
1938, the media reported that Hitler rolled into Austria with tanks and guns and took us over. Not true at all. The Austrian people elected Hitler by 98% of the vote by means of the ballot box. Now, you might ask, how could a Christian nation, almost 100% Catholic, to elect a monster like Hitler? The truth is, at the beginning, Hitler didn't look like or talk like a monster at all. He talked like an American politician. <laughs> we also had gun registration. Oh, the Austrian people had all, they all had guns. But the government said the guns are very dangerous. Children are playing with guns. Hunting accidents happen, and we really have to have total control, safety. And we had criminals again. And the only way that we can trace the criminal was by the serial number of the gun. So we dutifully went to the police station, and we registered our guns. Not long after, they said, no, it didn't help. The only way that we don't have accidents and crimes, you bring the guns to the police station, and then we don't have any crimes anymore and any accidents. And if you don't do that, capital punishment. So that's what we did. <clears throat> so dictatorship didn't happen overnight. It took five years, gradually, little by little, to escalate up to a dictatorship. When the people fear the government, that's tyranny. But when the government fears the people, that's you, that's liberty. <laughs> keep your guns, keep your guns and buy more guns. Well, I'll give you one more uh, <clears throat> comment about San Francisco, although I really <clears throat> don't go there anymore. I used to like San Francisco, went to ball games there, went to Oakland ball games there. Uh, I really just, because I have to travel through the city to get to the airport, I fly out of the airport to go to Asia a lot, but otherwise I'm kind of done, and I'm, I'm really done with Marysville. I live here in Marysville, and it, I'm kind of buried here financially. Uh at my age, otherwise I, if I, uh, and I also I feel like God wants me to stay here for the time working with the church I'm working with, but um, I just uh, think it's almost not worth the effort sometimes, right? And uh, and I'm just one, I'm just one person, one vote, and uh, money in government, most of our money, most, most means more than 50%. 
most of our money in government is just like taking your money and lighting it on fire. It's just totally being wasted. It's paying people salaries that they do not deserve. I don't mean I don't I don't I'm not saying I don't like them. I'm not saying that some of their jobs aren't essential or very important. But to pay people what they're paying them is totally absurd, totally absurd. And it's way off the charts. That's affecting, you know, this fight over Measure K, where where the Yuba County is appealing it. They're making ten thousand dollars or more a day by appealing it. And then then the uh, supervisors, I was just told the other night that the supervisors in the forum, the incumbents, those that are sitting supervisors in Yuba County that are now up for reelection, had the gall to all lie and say that the money to fund all the campaign signs, to hire all the public relations firms, do the radio ads, do all the flyers, did not they didn't spend any taxpayer money. Now that is a flat out lie and the only way they're going to be able to clear that up is to provide the documentation on where the source of funds came from. Now I know the source of funds didn't come through the uh the campaign committee that was run by Sheriff Anderson because there wasn't enough money there to run that. I know what things cost. And we did a we did a Freedom of Information Act uh, requests that took months to respond to, and they had already spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. You're telling me they came out of their pocket? Did the supervisors pay for that out of their pocket? But in the in a public forum, they were asked that question, where did that money come from? Who paid for this campaign? And they said the taxpayers did not pay for it. That is a complete lie. And these supervisors, every one of these supervisors should be removed from office that, that promoted Measure K. Uh, one, either they aren't the supervisor. The supervisor is supposed to run the county. In in Yuba County and in most counties and most cities, the, the manager or the county administrator ends up running these counties, and, and the other people are just puppets. So either the supervisors need to take full responsibility for this Measure K debacle because they are uh, politically – and constitutionally, they are the people that are supposed to represent us, represent us. And for them to say that uh, that if, if they are mistaken, which I'm saying they're not mistaken, they're liars. Uh, they need to they need to come clean without a, a Freedom of Information Act request. So now this is a comment that came off Facebook the other day. If I can find it here uh, from Gary Bradford, who's running out in the, in the, uh, no, that's not it. I don't think here. I'm losing it here. Okay. I'm I'm almost there, I think. Maybe not. Well, I had this quote from from um, Gary Bradford, and um, it's not coming up right now. But anyway, someone asked Gary Bradford uh, why he did not have any town hall meetings. 
And he said, well, he didn't need he didn't need to have any town hall meetings because he uh, he just voted on what was best for all the people in the county. And he would do his best to listen to the people. Um, hold on here. Let me just see if I can get it back up. My computer is not acting. OK, here we go. So here, here's the just here's the exchange with Gary Bradford. It says, hey, hey, Supervisor Gary Bradford, when was the last town hall meeting you held to receive direction from your constituents? Now, the way our government works, supervisors represent a district out of the county, and they're specifically elected from a segment of the county voters that they where they live. So they live in the area that they represent. So this person was asking Bradford uh, when he's ever had a meeting with any of the folks in his district to get some direction. He says, quote, his quote, it's my job as a county supervisor to vote for what I believe is best for all. All is in all caps, all of Yuba County, taking into special consideration the impacts and salaries of my constituents in the fourth district. Now, this is pure political BS. That's what it is. And, um, so he, this is what they call double speak or mumbo jumbo, political mumbo jumbo. So instead of just saying, you know something, uh, I don't believe in town hall meetings. That's what he's essentially saying here without saying it. I don't, I don't want to take time to have town hall meetings because I'm the brightest guy on the block. And what I decide after I listen to everything, he's like acting like a judge. After I listen to everything that I want to listen to, my decision is going to be so good that whether you agree with it or not, it's actually for your own good, right? It's like when you put that funky taste and stuff in your kid's mouth said, I know that tastes terrible, but it's for your own good. Or when you're whooping them, I know it's bad, but I, it's for your own good. Now, what this quote is, this is for your, my, I'm, I'm the brightest guy. Now, one of the problems in politics it's a terrible thing. A person is pretty humble when they're running for office. They're just listening. You just tell me. I, I'm available 24 hours a day. You just call me up. Just, you know, give me. I'll have coffee. I I have an open door policy. I, I'll have coffee. Let's, let's have these coffee clatches. Let's have a barbecue. Let's have a hot dog day. Let's have this. Let's have that. They're out kissing babies. As soon as they get into office, it's like, I know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're talking about. You're just stupid. You 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 don't attend the meetings. Well, if you knew what I knew, right? But I can't tell you. And and if you want to ask any questions, you got to go through the Freedom of Information Act. It'll take months for you to get any information that I already know. And because I'm so smart, you just shut up, go back to work, go take care of your kids, and just leave me alone because I am the act. I'm anointed, and I have I'm getting divine input here. Uh, to make the decisions that are going to benefit and save your life. Now, that's what this really says from Gary, um, the gift that keeps on giving, Bradford from Plumas Lake. And uh, he represents Wheatland. I guess he represents a little bit of the Foothill area up around Smartville, somebody told me this morning. So he says, it's my job as a county supervisor to vote what I believe is best for all Yuba County take into special consideration the impacts and desires of my constituents in the 4th District. Now, now, in light of what he just said here in 
in answer to a question about why he would never have a town hall meeting to hear everybody out. They didn't have any problem with doing town hall meetings when they want to pass Special K or Measure K. And, and what they, they feel to bring out is they mocked and slighted one of the sharpest organizations in the state of California that represents the interest of the average of the of the property owners of California and that's the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association and you if you got any money you should donate to them hjta.org if you're a property owner they are saving you thousands and thousands of dollars of property taxes every single year and um uh, and so when they wrote the supervisors prior to the election when measure K got passed they said this measure the way it's written is wrong and this isn't like political people writing this these are attorneys that do full-time election law if a if a full-time election law attorney wrote me a letter as a supervisor and said this ordinance is flawed i would want my own legal people they better do a big song and dance or i'll can their rear end if they screwed me over as elected official, I was elected official, and they screwed me over. When I have a top firm in the United, uh, the California, that has a whole team of attorneys, and they're saying that the way this is written is inaccurate, I, I'm telling you, if my local, you know, and I, I've wondered why the county council of Yuba County quit right in the middle of this. She quit. They said, oh, well, you know, she just got pregnant. Oh, everybody, that every woman that gets pregnant, she quits a job that's going to pay her like $175,000 a year. She can't take a, like a leave of absence and, and take her pregnancy leave. She just quits when this thing, when all this thing started hitting the fan. And, it, you know, I just heard that the district attorney, Clint Curry, had made some comment about how I don't even know who Clint Curry is. I know of, I knew his father, but he makes some comment how Yuba County is going to win this on appeal. Honestly, Clint, uh, you need to stick, stick with your job over there and prosecuting people. Uh, in fact, I maybe just stick on the same side and not keep switching sides on some of these issues. If you know what I mean out there, like one, he, he's like, Oh yeah, Amanda Hopper's got problems. Then she's like the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, that's called hypocrisy. So this whole thing about telling telling people, oh yeah, the the super the, the county is going to prevail in the in the appeal on this Measure K thing. This Measure K thing was scammed from the very beginning. It's interesting on documents with Measure K about whether this thing was for public safety or for the general fund. The documents they kept saying seventy two percent or ninety two percent of all these funds are going to go for public safety. Then when they got into court, the very, the county's very own attorneys they hired out of Nevada County uh, said that wasn't true. Which is it? Supervisors, what they say, 92%? Or their attorneys, what they say? They changed their whole tune once they got into court and lied. Who's lying? Which, when are they lying? At what point, at what point are we lying? Are you going to have one store for six months? Now we change the store for six months and go before some people and tell them a bunch of crap. Which one was a lie? Which one was the truth? You know, somebody needs to keep track over there with notes and minutes because when you're liars, 
it's tough to keep track of your lies when you're always telling the truth. It's like it isn't hard to remember what you said because the truth is the truth. But what's happening here now is it is that we have people dishonest handling the money of the county. People say, where you know the question is where did all that money come from to run all those campaigns, all buy all those signs, send out all those flyers, pay all those public uh, public relations people, Lou Edwards Group, all these other people. Uh, I don't know. You're going to tell us, or is it a big secret? Can't tell us. What is it? Nu- nu- some kind of nuclear secret. All right. So now they want to do. It's amazing to me that it is. It doesn't matter whether you're dealing with the high school, the college, the county. They all act the same. They act like they like you owe them something. When you ask them a question, like somehow you're walking on hallowed sacred ground to ask them questions. The arrogance, you can cut the arrogance with a knife. It is thick. The superiority, the elitism, the arrogance, it is called the swamp. It is called the swamp. And they fuss and fight and and freak out when anybody asks any questions. Instead of just saying, if you're transparent, no. This is how it is. This is how. Oh, there, there's the documents right here. We can't even find the documents. Call Yuba College. You try to find out the attendance. They cannot. They cannot tell you the attendance. You know something? I know the attendance on some of these schools around here, and the and the the the, the administration of the college cannot tell you the attendance. They will not tell you what their attendance is. They want more millions more money, and they just got millions in 2006 they, they spent, and they haven't even paid it back. How deep in debt are you going to go? You're going you're gonna to push this debt out 50, 60 years? That's crazy. Totally. Honestly, people, we have lost our minds so much in this country about how to manage money that we and and what where's the money going you wonder where is the money going you got leaky roads you got mildew in, in the buildings out there at yuba college you just have to look at a wonderful website called transparentcalifornia.com transparent california and if it's not dot com it's dot dot org i always can get that confused but you just look it up and look up your district you get people why would a person help me establish value of a person $300,000 a year? That's like 20, almost $30,000 a month, right? 20 to $30,000 a month. How many days do you work in a month? What? 20 something days. That's a lot of money. Should, why don't we pay him twice that? Would would you have an argument? What would be your argument against paying the the chancellor or the president twice? Why don't we pay him a million dollars a month? Why put a limit on it? Whatever he wants, let's just pay him. Why would you do that? Because if, if you're operating a business, you have a bottom line and you can't pay more than you have. So what do they do in government? They just go get some more money. It's the same way I just saw where in Manhattan Beach, Manhattan Beach, let me see if I can find it. This is in California. Manhattan Beach. Um, 
the average firefighters making $300,000 a year. You think that's worth it? Do I like firefighters? I I spent 20 years as a chaplain, volunteer chaplain for firefighters. I never asked them for a nickel. In fact, I used to bring them cookies. I used to bring them donuts. And um, I think I had one. Well, anyway, I won't get it. I don't want to get sidetracked. Uh, Manhattan Beach there, you know, at, at what point do you say, hey, police and fire, are the most important thing we should be paying for with our taxes? Uh, oh, we're almost there. So, uh, but how much are they worth? Well, they're worth, well, they're most in, they're most valuable thing we have, police and fire. They risk their lives, right? I agree. I totally agree. I also agree with soldier, soldiers, Army, Navy, Marines, Air Force. National Guard, Navy SEALs, I, I think they're risking their life. Do they get paid fantastic amount of money? No. Why the difference? Why is there such a difference? Uh, so, so why should police, why should firefighters get three hundred thousand dollars a year? So let me see if I can find this here. I'm having a terrible time. Yeah, pay averages over three hundred thousand dollars a year. Manhattan Beach, that's in California. Uh, so, uh, there's 69 cities that pay their firefighters over $200,000 a year in California. Is that appropriate? Is that affordable? I don't think it is. I don't think we can afford it. We just can't afford it. Same with law enforcement. You know, it just gets way too high. Some of these law enforcement guys walk out with retirement and when they get at the top of their game in some cities, million dollars a year retirement. Can't afford that. We can't afford it. It's just like at some point, the government has to just say, we're taking all the assets because we're going to manage them. Because you talk to these Yuba County guys and Sutter County guys, they think they they could manage your money better than you can. Just in California, public sector unions collect and spend over $800 million a year. I want you to think about that. This isn't all the salaries of all the union workers. This is what the union dues add up to in all the public sector unions. What are those? That's like uh, all the government workers, city, county, state, firefighters, law enforcement, all the clerical workers, public works people, right? Their union dues... Eight hundred million dollars a year. Who is going to compete with that in the state of California? That's why some government leaders, even like liberals like Franklin Delano Roosevelt, did not believe that any government should ever allow people to organize because as a union, because now these people, there's no one who could withstand the the influence of finances and money, uh, finances and vote from a union. How are you going to reform this? So I saw with the city of Marysville, who was on the brink of bankruptcy just a couple of years ago, and really legitimately probably still considered bankrupt with, with the B Street boondoggle and debt they owe to hook up with Linda Water System, are now given raises to their firefighter and police. At some point, you just have to say, you know, we appreciate firefighters and police, and if you want to do that, we'd love to have you here, but we can't pay any more money. But everybody's going over the cliff together because here's what they say. Oh, well, the street, if they don't work here, they're just going to go down the road and work. Work somewhere else. 
So it says the average total compensation for a full-time firefighter in a California city is 207000 per year. This consists of 105000 in base pay, 40000 in overtime pay, 14000 in other pay for an average total pay before benefits, before benefits of 159000 And when you add the benefits in, it puts us over $200,000. There's no way this is sustainable, people. There isn't any way. They need to get out of the, the CalPERS thing. They need to end it. But w- the problem is, is CalPERS is running the state of California. The unions are running the state of California. But the supervisors have a chance. That supervisors and city council are the ones who give these raises. And so you have firefighters literally in the 1970s and 80s, firefighters worked as firefighters, and then they also had a second job because they were working as firefighters 10, 10 24-hour days a month. And uh, and so now they're they're making th- – they're the biggest – in fact, most of them don't even live where they work. Do you know that? If you take a poll of the local firefighters and police officers in this area, many of them don't, don't even live in the area. In fact – if you look at the CAO of, of the city of the county of Yuba, there's 58 counties in in the state of California. So Robert Bendorf's making right at $300,000 a year. He lives over in uh, Placer County. And so does his wife who works as is running for judge. If she wins, and Melanie Bendorf is working for the DA's office. If she wins as judge, they will take a half a million dollars in payroll out of this community they go over and pay lower taxes in Placer County because they supported raising taxes here in Yuba County. So when they buy a car, they do not have to pay the extra 1% Yuba County tax. So if he buys a $50,000 new car, that's $500 extra if he was Yuba County resident. Placer County resident doesn't have to pay that. So it may be legal to live in another county and be a judge or a CAO, but to me, it doesn't wash well with me. Like when... Uh, Mitnick was the CAO of Sutter County. You know, you know where he was from. This is the this is how screwy the politicians are. They voted for a guy who had just been fired, unanimously fired by Thousand Oaks, and came up here and only lasted about two years. He never did move his family up here. He flew back and forth from Ventura. You think he had some skin in the game up here? He had no skin in the game up here. Total. It was total ripoff. Uh, we're done with this fourth segment, and so we're going to uh, take a short break. Let's see, one, two, three, four, and uh, we got a clip on uh, Obama and the Bidens, and we'll be right back, okay? Thirdly, if I can remember it, isn't there some benefit to having the government steal our money, which is what they do effectively. They'll hold a gun to our head and say, pay us 40% of your income or go to jail. They take this money and they give it mostly to government employees. Well, the government employees spend it. The marginal propensity to consume is pretty high. So the people who were robbed have to do something creative to get the money back. 
And isn't this creative activity the real wealth? Well, I take it that they would have to be still more creative if 98% were being spent by the government. <laughs> no, the third part of your thing is just pure fallacy from beginning to end. <laughs> because if those people who are now government employees were employed in creative activity and productive activity, they would also be spending their money. And we'd have a greater total around. All you're doing, let's suppose for a moment, take the extreme case that that 40% is being used just to have people uh, uh, sit around. The fact that they spend their money doesn't alter the situation. The only product there is is what the 60% produce. And that 60% is divided among the 100%. If those 40% are also producing goods, then there are more goods to go around among everybody. You are just involved in a fallacy of looking at dollars, which is important sometimes, instead of looking at the real product, the goods and services that people produce and people consume. Spending isn't good. What's good is producing. What we want to have is more goods and services. And as I say, the obvious indication that that's clear is that if your logic were right, it would apply it for 50%, 60%, 70 90 98 100%. And obviously, you would see that that would be a bunch of nonsense at that stage. It is desirable to have some money spent by government for those things, those services, that we believe we can get more usefully and more effectively through government. If people are getting their money's worth, fine. That's why it's very desirable to have governmental expenditures take place at as local a level as possible. Because you, as a citizen of a small community, can judge whether you're getting your money's worth. You can decide that you want to spend it. But when it comes to the federal government, you tend to think that you're spending somebody else's money. And you are, in a way but he's spending yours. Right now we have a, a situation where any and all grievances that anybody ever had with the president are being heaped on and uh, talking about impeachment without even defining what the laws may have been that were broken with applying the facts to them uh, without even defining if even if those laws were broken, if that amounts to an impeachable offense. It's not about impeaching the president. It's about putting the country through that. I thought what the Republicans did to President Clinton was shameful, irresponsible, and wrong for the country. And what he did was stupid, but it had nothing to do with public policy and, and uh, his office, his responsibility and his office. I do think people could have made a case about President Bush, but I did not want to go down that path because of what it would mean for the American people. We just tried to impeach, well, we did impeach, but did not remove from office one president uh, in a very irresponsible manner, in my view, on the part of the Republicans in the House at the time. The Republican majority is not judging the president with fairness, but impeaching him with a vengeance. In the investigation of the president, fundamental principles which Americans hold dear, privacy, fairness, checks and balances, have been seriously violated. And why? Because we are, here to, as we are here today because the Republicans in the House are paralyzed with hatred of President Clinton. And until the Republicans free themselves of this hatred, our country will suffer. I rise to, un, to oppose these unfair motions which call for the removal of the President of the United States from office. This is their president we are talking about.
The President of the United States does not serve at the pleasure of the legislature, does not serve at the pleasure of Joe Biden, does not serve at the pleasure of Henry Hyde, does not serve at the pleasure of the Congress, as a prime minister does in a parliamentary system. He is elected directly by the people of the United States of America. And the election of a president is the only nationwide vote the American people will ever cast. And that's a big deal. The American people don't think that they have made a mistake by electing Bill Clinton. And we in Congress had better be very careful before we upset their decision and make darn sure that we are able to convince them if we decide to upset their decision that our decision to impeach him was based upon principle and not politics. Right, we're in our fifth segment, fifth out of six, and so uh, just back to the firefighters. This is how strong the unions are, right? You think, oh, firefighters, some of them are conservatives, some of them are liberal, right? Did you know that they marched, the firefighters marched with the United Teachers of Los Angeles one year ago during their teacher strike? And um, you know what that teacher strike was all about? They were trying to shut down... uh, the right to have charter schools, which which was one way without vouchers that people could improve their 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 uh, their kids' education. Where do you think the, the the kids of firefighters are going to school? You think they're going to just any old school? No, they aren't. They're going to the best schools. In fact, the firefighters are moving to communities. A lot of them don't even live in communities. They uh, they've they serve in because they they want their kids to have a better school. Do you find anything wrong with that? I don't I want I think parents have a right to put their kids in whatever school they want to put it put them in and remove their kids from the public education. So the firefighters do that, then they march with the teachers to say just the opposite thing. Isn't that interesting? That's the power of unions. They all stick together even if it's to stab, undermine uh the very people they're serving. You think the teachers are concerned about the kids? They're not too concerned. Individual teachers may be concerned about an individual kid occasionally. But the fact is the teachers union have one concept in mind, is that power and money. It's all about power, control, and money. They don't, the kids are just, it's just fodder, right? It's just like, do you think that recology is really interested in garbage? No, no, no. They're just it's just it's just something that that helps them make make a lot of money. Like they're not in love with garbage. Neither are teachers in love with the students. The union's not in love with students. It's just a way for them to make a big living. So people, oh, teachers aren't well paid. Yeah, they're they're paid. They're paid really good. I was on the school board. When you add up all the benefits, they don't. None of nobody in the private sector. I'm telling you, people. Nobody, well, you go to schools, nobody in the private sector is getting paid what school teachers are. Uh, and when you look at the average, well, I'll give you an example. Somebody quoted on the internet the other day in a blog 
that the average, I don't know whether it's the average probably or the mean household income in Yuba County, that means all the people in that house, all their money put together, that's household income, not just one person, is like 50000 50 some thousand a year. The Bendorfs, that would be their household income, Melanie Bendorf, Robert Bendorf, they will make a half a million dollars. Do you think that's fair that some people make 10 times as much and they don't even live in the community. They don't even live here. They don't have a stake in this community at all. Just come here, make some money, and leave. Spend their money elsewhere. You think they spend here? There's no malls here. There's there's no car dealerships here. It's over. They just come here and drag a million, half million dollars out of here. What if we could find somebody that that work for a hundred thousand dollars less? I, to me, I think we, you, oh, well, you can never find, oh, yeah, you know something? We need to restructure the entire way we do government. It's not working the way it is. It's just not working. Can't you see that? It's just, we're going broke. Just drive around the streets of Marysville. They say, oh, well, things are going good. This, we just need to be really optimistic and be positive. Listen, gang, it just... <laughs> Empty buildings don't do jack. Yeah, you got you're taxing them, but it, things are going bad unless you change what you've done in the past. Oh well, in the future we're going to try to be more customer friendly and more kind and more easy. You know, they're just talking about the new building standards for 2019. They're talking about at the Marysville City Council. Everything going to be sprinkler. Everything's going to be solar. How how easy? You know. People in business that do small businesses, one of the things about it, is it difficult to move? Yeah, it's difficult to move, particularly if you you own a home here or you're paying off property here or stuff like that. you got kids here. But a lot of people that are small businesses can do that small business if they have a trade like, like I just heard where the new gun laws was putting a, a gun dealer out of business here locally. Let me tell you, the people in Sacramento are thrilled about that. I'm not thrilled about that. I'm concerned about his welfare. I'm I'm concerned that we have a new, another service that's now gone. A person that can repair guns, work on guns, sell guns, sell ammo. Now he's he's going to go out of business. I'm not happy about that at all. People in Sacramento are thrilled about that. They that's what they want. And so that that uh, business owner maybe will retire, but a younger person could take that business and go to another state and do well. I have a number of friends that had good jobs here. They were paramedics. They were a variety of things. They've moved to other states like Idaho because they don't want to put up with this anymore over here. So they're leaving. So the fact is, uh, I may totally like the person and the job they're doing, like firefighting or cops, but I do not support uh, things that we can't afford. And if, and if they can move to another region, another city, get a better job, hallelujah to you. In fact, I, I'm totally for paying a lot less money and just encouraging everybody else to pack weapons in their homes. And I think you could cut down a lot of crime by just assuring all the criminals, just saying you're taking a risk. If you come in that home, you're going to die somehow. You're going to get hurt or die if you come into anybody's home in Yuba County. They're all weaponized. And they're all, and, and they're all you know, I like the idea even cameras on people's homes. You come messing around somebody's home and you're not invited, uh, you're going to get in trouble and you're liable to lose your life or get hurt really bad, really bad. Uh, 
So uh, anyway, that's that. I want to talk some about the the uh, incestuous nature of big business and government. And uh, one of the things that Trump has done since he's come into office is he promised that he was going to root out as much corruption as possible. <clears throat> and um, one of the oh, let me I'm going to jump from this. I'm going to talk about food stamps in a minute, but because the increase, the tremendous increase in jobs, job opportunities has lowered the unemployment rates for all minorities and women uh, down to the lowest in history of us ever keeping track. That's put a lot of people to work, of course, and and thereby removing them from the food stamps dole. Food stamps, if you've never got them, is simply uh, – it used to be paper money that wasn't actually a dollar. It was fake money like they used to call it monopoly money. Now it's an EBT card where they just – every month they recharge that card electronically. And uh, so the food stamp amount has dropped off by millions and millions and millions, and the number of people have dropped off. Uh, also, with the number of, of illegal aliens taking uh, food stamps, they a lot of them have stopped because they're afraid they're going to get caught and they're going to end up uh, getting deported over it. So, uh, But what's happening is, is big business – uh, is telling Trump, these are people that are making money off illegals and are making money off welfare uh, for fun, for giving away money. to. So here's what happens. So you have this women and infant uh, fund called WIC. So you don't even, if you can get pregnant, you can come into this country, have an anchor baby, what they call birth tourism. Uh, you do not have to uh, pay for the baby. We will actually pay for, to birth the baby. The kid will be a citizen of the United States, get all the benefits of every citizen. Uh, then we will actually give you food for the baby under WIC. Now, all that WIC food, milk, uh, Infamil, all those kind of uh, products for babies that are high, high nutrition, and uh, all that stuff will be given away free for WIC participants. And... Um, now you now I want you to think about this. All the babies born all over the United States on WIC. Those those companies that are making those products, Infamil, all those nutrition products, right? I'm trying to think of some of them, but they're escaping my mind right now. Um, they are, you know, it's one thing if you're going to compete in a grocery store. But if you get a government contract, you don't have to advertise. You just you just sell a gargantuan amount of product to the U.S. government, and they just distribute it. And if they don't distribute it, they just toss it out if they don't get rid of it. And so big business is now warning Trump, the Trump people, that their immigration reforms will hurt food stamps and Medicaid enrollment. Isn't that amazing? That now the business, big business, because government is so embedded in big business, that's why PG&E is failing, that now big business turns around and they say, hey, you need to keep us afloat. If you cut immigration, you're going to cause us, we're going to have to lay off American workers. Because we're depending on giving away a lot of this stuff. Like the giveaway things, it becomes an addiction. 
Foreign aid becomes an addiction. All these things become an addiction. Now, I want to, I don't know whether you've seen this, but uh, let me get down to it because I don't want to skip over this before it's over. Uh, the um, This last week, there's been a blow up on, on the uh, social media of, in Puerto Rico because they had this hurricane, was it Maria? They had this hurricane a couple of years ago, right after Trump got in office, and, and the mayor of Puerto Rico, of San Juan, Puerto Rico, she like started trashing Trump. She was anti-Trump, right? So she started trashing Trump like he's no good, he's no good, baby, he's no good, he's a liar, he's a cheat, he's a this, he's a that. But the fact was that the mayor couldn't find her big butt from a hole in the ground, and she couldn't manage that situation. And we had actually, they, we, Trump, had never been compared to all other presidents had never was way more responsive than any other president. Right. So finally they got her settled down and now they have this hurricane not hurricane, but they have an earthquake down there. And in the midst of this, somebody, I don't know who it was, but somebody that's well known down there on social media heard through the grapevine about a warehouse where supplies have been languishing since Maria since 2017 <clears throat> and he took his phone and and he took some people with cameras to take film and they went in this i mean this warehouse goes on and on and on and on and on and there's all kinds of federal relief coleman stoves propane to run the coleman stoves or butane however you run them brand new stacks and pallets and pallets and pallets and pallets of diapers Coleman stoves, uh, cooking fuels, water, all kinds of easy to, to put together meals, just pallet after pallet after pallet after pallet and row after row after row, been sitting there for years, and they're freaking out now in, a, in an earthquake. They, didn't even, they, they haven't even got it together after the Puerto Rican, uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, Hurricane Maria. And now they found this warehouse, all hell's breaking loose, and Puerto Rico is asking for the resignation of the governor of Puerto Rico over this warehouse situation. Well, now, a FEMA, the head of FEMA in Puerto Rico, got arrested. And this is unbelievable. Her name's Dr. Asha Tribble. She's American. FEMA. This is FEMA. This is an American organization, right? But we, FEMA includes Puerto Rico, even though it's not a state. I don't know if they call it a protectorate or something. It's a, just a big welfare. It's like New Orleans. Everybody's on the dole, right? And so when you read the workup on, I don't know whether I got this. Do I have this? Oh, I do. This Asha, A-H-S-H-A, Asha, Tribble. This gal has a has a she got a, a BS in math from Florida A&M an MS in meteorology from Florida State and a PhD in meteorology from University of Oklahoma once she got those she became a part of the swamp and she has been in one alphabet soup organization in the state state and federal government ever since she's been in the NOAA, she's been in the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. She's been, she's at the, she was at the National Oceanic and Atmospheric, 
Atmospheric Administration, NOAA. Remember that one? She's Senior Policy Advisor for Weather and Climate. She is no, no, you know, you know, she was Obama person, right? She'd been from way back. She may even came in under Bush. I don't know, maybe under Obama because she doesn't look that old, but she'd been involved in one disaster after another, you know, I mean, national, you know, uh, natural disaster. She traveled personally with President Obama and Biden to disaster areas to provide technical support. I mean, she's the main squeeze of these guys, right? So, So she's a holdover for Trump from the Obama years uh, before joining FEMA trouble served as a senior advisor to department of energy secretary Moniz and was focused on, on an, I mean this, her, her resume or rap sheet, as you could call it just goes on and on and on. Well, she ends up getting appointed deputy regional administrator of FEMA region two with oversight for the operational aspects, da, 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 uh, and recovery, mitigation, preparedness in New York, New Jersey, Puerto Rico, and U- U.S. Virgin Islands, right? So the other day she got arrested. Is that shocking? You know, this woman, you'd think for these people, these state people, federal people, you'd think when is enough enough? You're a doctor. You got one, you got all this notoriety People love you. They think you're so smart and you're just making all kinds of money. Right. But but it's it it isn't enough. It's just not enough. So what happens is. Is she is caught up in arrested for fraud over Hurricane Maria. Remember, Maria, that's when the San Juan city of San Juan, with the big butt, she went and went nuts over went nuts on Trump that he was a jerk. He didn't care. He was a racist. You know, anytime you lack a word to use for anybody, just call him a racist. It's it, you can use it anywhere. So anyway, she it says here a former administrator of FEMA was arrested Tuesday. Now it's it's interesting. Former. I wonder whether she got canned or quit for taking bribes from the president of a company that landed a one point eight billion dollar federal contract to repair Puerto Rico's electrical grid after Hurricane Maria. Now, you remember they had that fiasco where that Montana small company in Montana uh, with two employees was going to do the whole thing. They were going to charge them 200 something dollars an hour to work on the electric. Then they then Congress caught hold of that and threw that out. Anyway, this gal, she gets arrested. They she gives a one point eight billion dollar contract to a group called Cobra Acquisitions run by a guy named Donald Keith Ellison, not the Keith Ellison, the Muslim from Minnesota. So they say she was paid kickbacks to give this contract to them. And they are, she is under investigation. I wonder if she's ever going to go to jail. You think taking a, taking a payback kickback for, for giving a $1.8 million federal contract. Now, see, we're up to our ears. This is just a welfare state. This is like work, worse than a normal state. The Puerto Ricans are just on the, they're like perfect welfare babes. They're like little welfare whores down there in, in Puerto Rico. And just like they are in Greece, they're just all, they've been, you need know, train people this way and that's the way they're going to be. They think, hey, 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 I deserve my money. Where's my money? My money, my money, my money. They didn't do anything for it. 
So, you know, Trump right now is asking for all men under 50 years of age that don't have any dependents and don't have any disabilities. Isn't this amazing? I want you to think of all the men you know under 50 that could work. And we have Democrats in this country that are saying we don't want them to work. We just want them to take food stamps. And they shouldn't have to work 20 hours. Trump's saying already there are some states that are doing this. But Trump's saying federally, I, I expect men that are healthy and if they don't have children they need to take care of, they need to work at least 20 hours a week somewhere for us to get food stamps. Otherwise, screw you. And people are saying, oh, well, we just need to give. We shouldn't ask that of them. Really? I would never help anybody. And when people say to me, I offer them a job, I say, well, okay, don't take the job. Catch you later, right? I, I'm working. I'm working today. I, I'm, I work every single day, right? And so if you don't want to work and, and you're asking me to buy your taco, you'd be asking the wrong dude, right? I had a kid that was always rude to me in juvenile hall. Didn't hurt my feelings. It's like he's going to get his nose broke. I, I, I got, I'm, I'm okay. So he gets out and, and he has a gall to contact me on Facebook and says, you know, I need a pair of shoes. I said, go buy some. He said, I can't. I said, well, then go get a job. That's what you do. You get a job, you earn money, then you go buy your shoes. Never heard from him again. I, I thought, you know, I tell him, I said, your worst weapon did not come from your parents. Your worst weapon is going to come from life because it's going to just kick your butt and, and knock some sense into your head while you were watching cartoons. Instead of you watching cartoons, now you're out there trying to figure out how to get a pair of shoes besides stealing them and getting put in jail. All right, we got um, one more clip, to get, one more set of clips to go, and then we're going to wrap it up. And this is a very good clip on the why the Biden family are a bunch of crooks. Does it amaze you that I actually I played, if it isn't on today's show, it's on last week's. Biden is, is on, recorded on. His words, it isn't somebody said, he said, and she said, and then he told me. No, no, no. It's him talking to you on film saying that he withheld billions of dollars in aid to Ukraine until they fired some prosecutor that was harassing his son. And he, he bragged about it and laughed about it. And instead of going after him, they're going after Trump, who they cannot find that kind of a quid pro quo, which most people can't say that. I can't. Quid pro quo. Like Ku Klux Klan. Most people can't say that either. They always say some other stupid thing. <clears throat> so check this Biden thing out. We'll be right back. school by a big company here in uh, Delaware that is in the credit card business, MBNA. They, he got about $100,000 a year, as I recall. Uh, you received $214,000 in campaign contributions from the company and from its employees. Uh, at the same time, 
you were fighting for a bankruptcy bill that uh, MBNA really wanted to get passed through the Senate, making it much tougher for everyone to file bankruptcy. Uh, Senator Obama was opposed to the bill. Among other things, uh, you couldn't, in fact, claim that you had a problem because of big medical bills. Uh, you voted against uh, an amendment that would call uh, for a warning on predatory lending. Um, you also called for a, um, you opposed efforts to strengthen the protection of people in bankruptcy. This has been an issue that you've heard about before. Uh, your son was working for the company at the, at the same time. In retrospect, wasn't it inappropriate for someone like you in the middle of all of this to have your son collecting money from this big credit card company while you were on the floor protecting its interest? Absolutely not. My son graduated from Yale Law School. The starting salary in Wall Street is $140,000 a year if he went to lawyer. Options he had. He came home to work for a bank. Surprise, surprise. Look, Biden and his son are stone-cold crooked, and you know it. China should start an investigation into the Bidens, because what happened in China is just about as bad as what happened with, uh, with Ukraine. So I would say that President Zelensky, if it were me, I would recommend that they start an investigation into the Bidens, because nobody has any doubt that they weren't crooked. That was a crooked deal, 100 percent. No, but Joe Biden, let me, let me just be quiet. Joe Biden is the one that did a very, very bad thing when he said that. And I think it was $1.2 billion he wasn't going to give unless they got rid of a prosecutor who was investigating his son and the company that his son works for. Then you also say, how much money did his son make from the Ukraine? And then ask another question, how much money did his son make from China based on energy? He knows nothing about energy. So why did he leave China? Why did he leave Ukraine with all this money? So Joe Biden, who is very uh, dishonest. Now, when you see the call, if you see it, I hope you see it, frankly, uh, you will find out that I did not do that at all. And you'll be very disappointed when you see it. It's really a disgrace. It really is a situation where it, it just shows the press you've had such a bad week between Justice Kavanaugh and this and other things. It's showing how dishonest so many members of the press are, not all of you, but so many members of the press are so totally dishonest. Just bring us back to reality. Yeah, because everything is amazing right now, and nobody's happy. Like, in my lifetime, the changes in the world have been incredible. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone that you had to stand next to, and you had to dial it. Yes. Do you, you realize how primitive? You're making sparks <laughs> in a phone, and you actually would hate people with zeros in their numbers because it was more... It was right. like, oh, this guy's got two zeros. Screw that guy. Why do I want to... <laughs> And then if, if they called and you weren't home, the phone would just ring lonely by itself. And then if you wanted money, you had to go in the bank for when yes. it was open for like three hours. You had to stand in line, write yourself a check like an idiot. And then when you ran out of money, you'd just go, well, I can't do any more things now. <laughs> right. I can't do any more That's things. That's it, yeah. That was it. And even if you had a credit card... They'd, the guy would go, ugh, and he'd bring out this whole shunk, shunk, and he'd write, yes. oh, cut, you'd have to call the president to see if you had any money. And <laughs> it's all true, kids. You phone. had to call the president, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yes. Do you feel that we now, 
in the 21st century, we take technology for granted. Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the, on the crappiest generation of just spoiled idiots <laughs> that don't care, because this is what people are like now. They got their phone, and they're like, ugh, it won't... Give it a second! Give it, it's going to space. Can you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light too slow for you? Yeah. I was, on a, I was on an airplane, and there was internet, high-speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. And I'm sitting on the plane, and they go, open up your laptop. You can go on the internet. And it's fast, and I'm watching YouTube clips. It's, I'm in an airplane. And then it breaks down. And they apologize. The internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, this is bull****. <laughs> like, how quickly the world owes him something. Yes. He knew existed only 10 seconds ago. Right. Right. And on planes... <laughs> flying is the worst one because people come back from flights and they tell you their story. And it's like a horror story. It's they act like their flight was like a cattle car in the 40s in Germany. That's yeah. how bad they make it sound. Right. They're like, it was the worst day of my life. First of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. And then we get on the plane, and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes. We had to sit there. Oh, really? What happened next? Did you fly through the air incredibly like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight, you non-contributing zero that you got to fly? You're flying! It's amazing! Everybody on every plane should just constantly be going, oh my god! Wow! Yes! You're flying. You're, you're sitting in a chair in the sky. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's right. Now, now Louis. But, but it doesn't. It doesn't go back a lot. <laughs> and it's, and it's not really... You know, here's the thing. People, like, they say there's delays on flights. Yeah. Delays, really? New York to California in five hours. That used to take 30 years <laughs> to do that. And a bunch of you would die on the way there and have a baby. You'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got there. <laughs> now you watch a movie and you take a dump in your home. Yeah. Welcome back. Hey, I want to uh, give a shout out to a couple people that make this show pro- possible. And uh, if you want to help make this show possible, you can by uh, contacting me here by my phone number, 530-713-1838. If you want me to promote your business or whatever, I'll do that for a few shekels, 530-713-1838. And uh, you can text me or call me sometime. Or you can email me at lou, L-O-U, at uh, No Hostages Radio. Dot com Lou L O U at nohostagesradio.com. But two two uh, people I uh, want to talk about. One is uh, Dave Greenitz with Greenitz Construction. Dave has been a supporter 
about the, from the time I got started, really. And uh, <clears throat> we have been friends for 40 years. He's got the literally, by far and away, the, the most uh, well-known, reputable, high-class, super-duper uh, remodeling operation, particularly featuring kitchens and baths and uh, decks and front front entranceways and they even do whole house fans but they just do tremendous work i i i saw i've got to ask him about this but i saw a facebook post where they they were over in las vegas doing some big kitchen thing over there but most of their work is in yuba sutter areas i don't know there's some show they were doing or some pilot project i don't know what they're doing over there he'll have to let me know and i'll have to bring you up to date but if you go on his website at Greenitz Construction, that's green with E-T-Z on the end, greenitzconstruction.com, or you go to his Facebook site at Dave Greenitz Construction, you'll see what I'm talking about. You don't take my word for it. You can, And it isn't like Photoshop stuff or stuff he borrowed off the Internet, like, oh, isn't that a cool bathroom? No, he created it. And they have a team of people that have really – uh, they're amazing, all of them, from the design people to the paint to the flooring to the glass people. It's amazing. Just like, whoa, I've never seen it. That's nice. Like, that's really nice. And uh, so if you don't want to take a risk and risk screwing up your big, big event, sometimes a big remodel is the, the big event in, in people's lives. You know, they buy a home, they keep care of it, and then all of a sudden they upgrade at one time, and then that takes them to the end. So you get one shot at it, and you screw it up, and it ends up a mess, and you have to wait to pay for it again to have somebody fix it again. It's it's a bummer. So um, anyway, uh, you can you can uh, call him. You can text him, uh, or you could call him at 530-682-9602, Probably you'll get Dave on the line. If somebody answers, that will be him. I don't think he... He's lean and mean. Everybody works in his organization. There's nobody like coasting, drinking coffee in an office somewhere. It's like people are all actually producing something. You know, that's what made America great. Government doesn't produce anything. Just to just slip back there for a minute. Government, all it does is suck money out of away from everybody's pocketbook. And in the private sector, we actually build things. We create things. We design things. We invent things. We build things. We build things that people want. If they don't want it, then we stop building them. We either go broke or we get a we get the idea. The, what we want in society is more goods and services. What we don't want is government taking more of our money and wasting it and overpaying themselves and underperforming. I I work harder than anybody in that government over there. And uh, so I'm good. I'm glad if they work hard, they shouldn't brag on it. They should just say thank you very much because they get paid really well for however hard they work. They get paid really well. And and when you can take a job and you can start at a young age and the government says workforce for 20 or 30 years and we'll pay you for 60 years. In other words, till you drop dead, we're going to keep paying you. We're going to pay you while you work and we're going to pay you to not work. That's an amazing agreement right there. And we're going to take care of your health care. That is an amazing agreement. There's no one in the private sector. I mean, there may be at a big corporation like Apple or Microsoft or whatever, but an average person, they just they better take care of themselves. Da, 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 da. So Greenest Construction actually produces goods and services to make life better for people. 
and uh, you can reach him at 682-9602. And the other people are the plumbing doctor. I'm going to have to call him. My house is starting to need some upgrades, and uh, faucets are leaking a little bit, and I don't want to pay cow water any dollar more than I need to. And uh, just need a little maintenance around here, so I'm going to accumulate some stuff and have the plumbing doctor come over. 530-671-9111. I see plumbing operations around my neighborhood. I got a lot of businesses around here. They cannot stand. If you're out of business, like you have a restaurant where people are coming in and using your toilets, you cannot afford a failure there, baby. Or your sinks plug up at your restaurant. Come on, come on, come on. You need to fix it 24 hours a day. So, uh, plumbing doctor, 530-671-9111. They will answer the phone and come and get you, get you out of a problem. So, let's see, what do I, I had, I had an idea. Oh, my, <laughs> this virus, somebody's talking to me, hey, Lou, you're going to China, you're not going to go to Vietnam through China, are you? It's like, what's the problem? I was thinking, they thought, oh, you're going to get arrested over there. He said, oh, no, man, they got this virus over in China and Wuhan. And I said, Wuhan, I was up there in Wuhan. I smuggled Bibles into Wuhan. And uh, they have a big virus over there. And I thought, you know something, what, can, what is this virus? Then one of my street gals, she's from the jail, she went on posting on Facebook. She said, I'm so out of it. She said, I heard about the coronavirus. I thought it was caused by the beer. <laughs> I thought, that's so cool. Anyway, so any, I just wanted to tell you when, whenever, because Dr. Cassidy who used to be the health officer for Yuba County for a couple decades and a half. We used to talk about all these, these political fiascos that involved medical care, like the H264 flu or the swine flu or this or that. And, oh my God, what are we going to do? Will, will the, will there be life after the swine flu? And, you know, and he used to comment to me casually, he said, well, you know, Lou, every year we have the flu. We just don't have a name for it. We don't, we don't pitch it as a name. And he says, people die every year of the flu. People, like his point was, people die every day. Do you know right now, folks, wherever you're living, whatever state, people are dying in your city. Don't have a heart attack over. It's a part of life and death. In fact, the Bible says it's appointed every it's appointed for every man once to die, then the judgment. So that means people are going to be dying somewhere for some reason. So get used to it. So Dr. Cassidy says we lose, and he he would quote me the number: this many die of tuberculosis, this many die of pneumonia, this many die of flu. And the reason is is they get old or they have other issues in their life. Their their lungs are compromised already, or they got a bad kidney, or something, something, or they got cancer. Then when they get the other stuff on top of it, it kills them. So the I was reading about the coronavirus, which is not caused by Corona beer. And I want to let my little buddy, my little girlfriend, I'm trying to get saved, and she's out on the street doing the wild thing. She she thought it was caused by corona beer you could get it by drinking corona so she was going to stay away and just do methamphetamines so anyway uh the coronavirus is is uh got its start in china now like a lot of viruses uh they start in the animal kingdom like you might think of hiv remember that virus that that when it morphs or changes up into full-blown aids it started in the chimpanzees in Leopold, Belgian Congo. 
And then we had, when I was in, I took a team smuggling Bibles into China and Vietnam, and they right before I was getting ready to leave, about three months ahead of time, SARS broke out. And that was a virus that was being carried by the civet cat, C-I-V-E-T, cat. They eat cat over there. In fact, they have them in cages when you go in the, in the they have a lot of animals and fish in containers live when you eat there, and they just slaughter them right there, and you can eat them. Well, in Leopold, Belgian Congo, they eat monkey. So damaged monkey meat or infirmed monkeys, diseased monkeys can become diseased humans. Or some people claim that some of the chieftains in the Belgian Congos used to screw monkeys. And by screwing them, if they, if they were full of disease, you could get it. That's why you pat, you can get HIV. But one of my billboard friends in the billboard industry, he used to sell billboards. He said, don't, but he would say the whole word, don't F with AIDS. Had a double meaning. Don't F with AIDS. Don't mess with it and don't have sex with it. So people started getting AIDS over there in the Belgian Congo. Then they, then they came up with this myth that if you had sex with a virgin girl, that would get rid of the AIDS. It just goes to show you what you don't know can kill you. So then uh, it got brought into the U.S. by a person, AIDS. But it started in the animal kingdom. So SARS started with the civet cat. And now this this uh, started, they think it started in a, uh, if you just got to go to Asia and go to one of the markets where you can go to the fish market or you can go to the animal market and they eat dog, they eat cat, they eat all kinds of things. And so they feel it got started in this market where they're selling animals that people are going to take them home and barbecue them. But some of these animals had, they were sick and they didn't know it. Right. Do you ever think sometimes you're a carrier of something, you feel like something's coming on, but you're still going to work. Right. And you're thinking, oh, I'm feeling funky, but I better go to work cuz, cuz, cuz. And then you give it to everybody else, and then you really come down with it the next day or so. And in this market, that's where it got started. They called it the coronavirus because it's got a kind of a crown. When they look at it under the microscope, it had kind of a crown look to it. So they end up calling it the coronavirus. I'm trying to see how they – but it, it started in this market. Now, usually in China, the way they work in China, they're nutso in China. So what happens is when SARS happened, and it got started up, I think, around the Beijing area, the mayor of Beijing didn't behave himself well, so they shot him. Like this woman, this Tribble gal, Asha Tribble, who just ripped off everybody down there in in Puerto Rico, they would shoot her, right? And they don't have a trial. They just take them out, and they shoot them. Or they just have a trial and tell them, this is what you did. There's no debating. This is what what happened. And uh, so anyway, uh, back to this coronavirus, Dr. Cassidy used to say it isn't all about what it is, is just a big old political fiasco to get money and uh, cause a big stir because he says the flu is just the flu. And for most people, you'll just get sick and you need to just take all the precautions, right? Take liquids, do this, do that, do the other thing. They're just 
they're not going to give you a shot and get you out of the flu. Or, you know, if you get really sick, they'll put you in the hospital. If you're not a healthy person, you got hepatitis C on board, you got HIV on board, you got some other issues on board, you got a, a weak heart, it's liable to kill you, right? So, uh, anyhow, uh, this got started over there in, uh, but it's, it's, it's not a killer. Everybody's not going to die from the coronavirus. It does. It isn't a deadly virus in itself. Um, I'm just trying to see there. There was another one that started in Africa. They called it MERS. You ever heard of that MERS? But it had a 30% mortality rate, but not so, not so with coronavirus. It's a lot more light duty unless uh, you're funky. You got funky issues on board. So it says this, it broke out in this, uh, near this seafood operation. So the wife of the, this is how it kind of got started. The wife of the, of the man who owned a seafood stand got sick. She hadn't been to the market and could only have caught it from her husband. Soon more person to person cases began popping up, including healthcare workers caring for the infected patients. How do you think you know how it goes? If you sneeze or you blow your nose or something, something, little, these little microscopic wet particles get on your face or on your hands and then it gets in your body. That's how it spreads by water droplets. And um, so I was just think, trying to look at this. There's one that started in Africa called MERS, and I, but I don't have I can't find it quick enough. We're running out of time here. So uh, anyway, there's thousands of people being infected. This one, oh, no, it started in MERS, started in Middle East, Saudi Arabia. Here it is. Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS. And uh, so the SARS was, I don't know whether it's Asia's Respiratory Syndrome, I don't know whether, but anyway, that was up, started up in mainland China, got down into Hong Kong, killed a bunch of people over there. But uh, Saudi Arabia had 850 people starting from Saudi Arabia, 800, killed 858 globally. That's nothing. It's nothing, right? It's nothing. So they make a big thing about these things. It's big. It's a big media hype, like when they hype the storms. Oh, it's going to flatten everybody. It's going to do this. It's going to do that. It's going to do this. And they just have people standing out in the weather, and they're standing out in the water, and then it doesn't turn out to be that much. So it's just a typical thing if you want – it, it doesn't have anything with Corona beer. All you have to do is wash your face, wash your hands, get plenty of sleep, eat eat proper. Uh, let's see. Let's see. SARS uh, had a 15% mortality rate in the general population. Among the elderly patients, it jumped to 50%. You see, you get a weak person. They're, they're uh, feeble. They don't have the stamina to fight the doggone thing off. Or if you got diabetes or you got other issues like uh, with MERS that started in the Middle East, those with diabetes had an almost 90% mortality rate. Old people with diabetes kicked their rear, right? It's the same thing if you got gonorrhea, you're much more likely if you have sex with somebody with HIV, you're going to likely catch HIV, right? Because your system's already compromised. So should you be scared? We got a MERS, we got a um, coronavirus person up in the state of Washington. They said he flew in from Wuhan. And so somebody said, 
well, maybe we ought to stop all flights in from China. Well, that's just too simple. We can't do that, right? It's kind of like saying we should check everybody coming in the United States from foreign countries that want to come here and get it with a visa. We should check their health. But that's that's too common sense. It's too sane, right? It's like, oh, let's let them all in. Let's all get sick from Ebola. And then, then let's, like, have a bunch of people die and cost us all millions of dollars, right? So we just like, hey, like in China when there's issues, like when I'd go across the border every day smuggling Bibles from Hong Kong to China, mainland China, they had health people there. And it used to be that we had to fill out a health form every time we crossed the border. And you'd have to say, I, I feel fine, or I've had, I have or I had. You had to swear on whether you had a headache or not or a fever or whatever. <clears throat> but also they had health people there, and they had a kind of a gun that w- had a light, and, and they would shine it at you, and you couldn't wear a baseball cap coming through the, the area. They would point it at your head, and if it came back a higher, they could read your temperature from afar. And they would pull you over and check you over if they they were concerned. And so in China and Asia, because there's so many people and they're living so closely together, uh, they don't mess around. So I I noticed on the news, the news said this without even blushing. They said, oh, if uh, if uh, it said that China is not letting people, Wuhan is a major, major city, right? They said they're not allowing people from Wuhan to travel about. I thought, oh, man, this is Chinese New Year's. And I said, only in China could you do that. They could never pull that off in the United States. So um, anyway, I'll just leave that with you. I was going to do a thing on Ruby Ridge, which I, I may I may write an article about this. I don't know whether you, a lot of you probably don't even remember Ruby Ridge or the, uh, or what happened at Waco, Texas. But uh, a guy just wrote a great article about Ruby Ridge. I wanted to uh, mention, hey, uh, if you're, you've heard about me talking or heard of me talking about trauma intervention program, we run that in Yuba Sutter counties. If you're in Sacramento County, if you're out in another area, you can't be involved with us here. We have to respond quickly within 20 minutes. We go out on 911 calls to help the living, the survivors of something really bad. Just imagine anything bad happening to a human being, and that would be what we're involved in, anything you can imagine. Loss of life, fire, loss of people, loss of life, loss of uh, uh, property. We're involved in all of it. So if you've ever had an interest in in being kind to people and wanted to make a difference out there along with law enforcement and fire and the ambulance people, we do an annual training in Yuba City, and it's uh, we started on February 27th this year. If you're interested, uh, you can go on the TIP website and shoot us an email. The website is Yuba Sutter TIP. That's Y-U-B-A Sutter, S-U-T-T-E-R, TIP, dot org. Uh, you could read that over and look. go to the volunteer page, shoot me an email, or you could just send me a text at at uh, 530-713-1838, or you could call me and uh, if you're interested. And uh, after your train, each tip person is on call for three 12-hour shifts a month. You're not always on call. You're just on call occasionally. And then we do one training meeting a month on the second Thursday night of the month for three hours. So it's it, we're not expecting you to uh, become uh, a tip guru or have tip consciousness we just want you to be able to dip into some gnarly calls occasionally 
do them, and then move on with your life. Forget about tip until you have another call. So uh, it's a good it's a good thing if you're interested in volunteering where you where you walk away feeling, hey, I made a big difference here tonight. Uh, it's a great program. So uh, so give us a shout out. It's uh, a month, a little over a month away, and we'll start. It, we have uh, eight sessions. They're usually three. If they're evening sessions, are three hours. If they're daytime on the weekends, we have daytime sessions. We have a couple full days, but most of them are three-hour sessions. And uh, over about an eight-session uh, event that spans two two weeks, uh, we'll get you trained and get you ready to go. So I'm sure you'll have a lot of questions. You can go to our website, see how we operate, and then you can give me a call or text, and I'll, I'll uh, if you want to come. It's, it's no cost to come to the orientation, just to check it out. We'll give you a look-see the first night on February 27th. That's a Thursday night at 6 o'clock. So thank you. Uh, we're finishing up here this uh, 43rd episode. So this week, uh, if you run into somebody you don't know, make sure you treat them nice because it may be an angel and you don't even know it. So we'll catch you later, and uh, God bless you. Bye-bye. We're so glad to see so many of you lovely people here tonight. We would especially like to welcome all the representatives of Illinois' law enforcement community who have chosen to join us here in the Palace Hotel Ballroom at this time. I certainly hope you all enjoy the show, and remember people that no matter who you are and what you do to live, thrive, and survive, there's still some things that make us all the same. You, me, them, everybody, everybody. Sugar to kiss Sugar to kiss